What's up, headbangers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at TalkLouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, TalkLouderPodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And uh, today, uh, man, you know, we've had a lot of people on the show that sort of fit the definition of lifer, what we like to call lifer, guys that are, you know, guys and girls that are, you know, rock and roll was not a phase. They're still living, breathing, uh, creating and still doing it. And I, this guy that we got today is the embodiment and the very definition of lifer. We've got Caton DePena from the band Hyrax. What a fucking episode. Dude. Yeah. I Out of the gate. What a fucking episode we just had. What a great hang with this guy. Yeah. A lot, lot of energy, a million great stories, uh, such a positive human being. And I, I think that's one of the things I took away from the, from the whole conversation is uh, what a positive outlook this guy has. Um, it's rare. It's refreshing. I enjoyed it. It was really nice getting to meet him and know him a little bit today. And his history speaks for itself. I mean, uh, you're not going to find much, you know, a, a better resume in, in Bay Area thrash and California thrash crossover heavy metal than you are with that guy. Yeah, I I think that if you if you look into his history and the people that he's this sounds cheesy, like rubbed elbows with or worked with or knows because knows by default because he's from Southern California. Uh, it goes back to his uh, brushes with Metallica, um, his his brushes with Tom G. Warrior all the way over in Zurich, Switzerland because of tape trading. Yeah, uh, we talk a little bit about that and his uh, the connection between Tom Warrior and Hyrax. Yeah, uh, we I didn't talk, know that, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I figured it's not it's not a well-known thing. Uh, I think if you search deep, it just depends on what what article you click on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I knew that, and then when you – it's obvious now uh, to let the cat out of the bag when you – well, maybe I, I'll save it. Maybe you don't yeah. know that connection, and I'll let you figure it out when we talk about it. I with think you should save it, but, yeah. Yeah, but the uh, the connections that he has just by being a fan is huge. They stack as high uh, as you can reach. The um, the connection he has with the Bay Area thrash metal bands, and uh, we talk about that connection in a recent uh, set of shows that he did called the Bay Area Interthrational. Mm-hmm. That's made up mostly of Bay Area musicians, members of Exodus and Testament and everybody up there. If I say the wrong band name, it's a collective from the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, which he was invited uh, to because, you know, he's from again, he's from Southern California. He's from the L.A. scene, but he's connected with those guys up there. So when they wanted to put this show together. Uh, they called him to do, I think he did six or seven songs with the Bay Area and to Thrashinal and went over to Holland to perform uh, on one of the festivals over there. Yeah. Um, there's footage of that 
uh, on YouTube. People can check that out. But uh, check us here out today on the Talk Louder podcast with Kate and DePena from Hyrax. My, my favorite loudness album of all time is Disillusion, my man. Wow, that's it's a very good record. I, that's number two for me. I like the Law of the Devil's Land. Oh yeah, well that would be my number two. So we're we're, okay. we're next door neighbors. Yeah, yeah. To me, the uh, the Devil's Land records to me for loudness. Yeah, that that would be their twenty one twelve. Okay, wow. Mm. Very interesting nerd nerds right out of the bag here because uh, the Disillusion record has some songs, maybe not all of the songs collectively, sound kind of progressive, and therefore yeah. I call Disillusion their prog record. Therefore, I say sometimes that even with Minnie's voice, Minoru's voice, he sounds like Getty Lee sometimes. Therefore, yeah. you see where I'm going. Disillusioned is their rush kind of record all right well when we when we finish this you should listen to devil land, devil's land again oh, oh i have it i have it right here i have it but nice. i need to i need to get uh, should i uh, katen should i listen to it on cd or vinyl it doesn't matter <laughs> i mean you, you know it's really like i i'm no, totally I'm just, a... I'm just bragging that i have it on many formats <laughs> i'm a freak like that too yeah uh, on <laughs> certain records like if it's a certain band and a certain record i'll have multiple formats yeah um, yeah yeah so so uh this is this is uh this is metal dave here with the power trip shirt and the dave, Lizzie my, my pleasure to meet you man likewise man i was gonna uh Tell Jason, I think Caden's the first guy we've had on the show that has a background that's similar to ours. He, you yeah. can tell he, he's got a room that I'd like to stare at the walls there for a while if I could hey, go to his house. From what I'm seeing, it's mutual. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know what's funny? Whenever I travel, uh, because I've become such a nerd about records and, and, you know, all formats, like what's funny with me, I'll listen to any format. Obviously, I prefer vinyl just because of the pictures and the, the size and, all that but if i can even get a crappy mp3 of a, a band that's like awesome i'll check it out from there and then i'll find the rest i'll find the cassettes or the vinyl or whatever the hell's out there but i i really don't uh snob on anybody even if they listen to streaming services if they're listening to good stuff it just doesn't matter you know yeah, yeah. that's a that's a good way to be that's very like that. sort of like yeah that's very open-minded I can't say that I'm not a, a not some kind of digital snob because uh, I think that it's important, uh, you know, as a songwriter, that's your intellectual property. Oh, yeah. And streaming, yeah. I mean, it's not about money, but you should be compensated somehow. Uh, and so, you know, the lessers of, I'll just call them that, if that's even a word, the lessers yeah. of the digital platforms, there there are some. And I prefer Amazon and YouTube over the other guys. Yeah, yeah, and I get it. And I wouldn't even mention them because that's just being a smart person. <laughs> because you don't need to, you don't need to give them any publicity since they're already jacking a bunch of our friends, including us. Amen. But, Amen. But what I will say though is, uh, for me, it's the double-edged sword because of the 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 scene slash movement that I've been you know, a part of for almost, well, 40 years now, whatever. I mean, you can, but there's a blurry line that goes further back than that. Right, but right. Um, I've just, it's been a tough, tough line to walk because we still get known because of being such an underground yes. band that stuff spreads that way and we don't get paid for it. 
But in a way, you kind of do when you get back out there and tour and, you know, people find out about your band that probably couldn't even afford it. Or they like even me as a young kid, I couldn't afford every record. So like me and my friends, that's where tape trading, you know, uh, duping tapes and uh, sharing music came from. Even though on the records back in the day, they had that little cassette on there. It said home taping is killing music. Well, then I guess I was murdering it because we were sharing tapes all over the place. But I do understand that musicians need to get paid because I'm one of them. And it's hard because it's hard enough as it is. You know, you put your blood, sweat, and everything into your music. And uh, it is nice to get paid. But but also for us, it helps that it gets out there free because a lot of those kids are such diehards that they'll come and see us, like, you know, traveling through South America these kids will drive like eight hours just to see the band, you know? So, um, and not all of them have a ton of money, but they save whatever they have just to even come to the shows. So like I said, it's a double-edged sword, but yeah, it'd be nice to get paid for every single song that you've written because sheesh, we'd be doing pretty good. I mean, not that we're not, but we'd be doing better. Um, So it's like I said, for me, it's a fine line, but I I like both because also I'm guilty of buying bootlegs still to this day. Yeah. Uh, if there's a Stones bootleg that I don't have, I'll probably buy it, you know, because that's my all-time favorite rock and roll band. But, you know, so I kind of understand the boots and, you know, like, but with us also, it's worked out great. So when we go on the road, we actually go out and meet these people that are actually booting our stuff and we actually make deals with them because they're going to bootleg it anyways. So yeah. we've done a lot where we've gone to you know, certain countries and made deals with guys that are bootlegging, our, whether it's our CDs or our T-shirts or our patches. I mean, you can't even keep up with all that stuff. I mean, and that's not even including in countries that you can't even monitor, like Russia. There's a whole line of stuff there that we have no control over. But it's okay. You know, I mean, I just I have to kind of come to terms with all that. Because yeah. if, if you beat yourself up about it or try to chase down everybody that's making your stuff, you go insane. Well, yeah. I've I've tried to befriend those those guys. I've tried to like you're saying, you you cut deals with them. Well, well, hold on, hold on a second. So they're your street team. Basically, and you're yeah. you're they're 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 doing a lot of work to promote your band, so they should be getting something. You're just there to say, hey, it's okay as long as there's a little bit of kickback. Just keep on doing what you're doing because it's yeah. helping me. And if it can help, if I can help you by just not getting mad about that, like I've done deals where I've been contacted by someone who I won't even call him a bootlegger anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, is making, who is making my stuff? And I said, "Hey, dude, this this badge or this patch looks awesome. What can we do to make this legit? How about you, you know, uh, mass produce and then just give me like a third of them, just whatever that amount that is, and I can sell them on my website and I can fly your banner so that whenever I run out and they have to have one, they go to you." Yeah, and a lot of them, a lot of them do want to work with you. You'd be amazed. Like my wife has gone out where when we play Mexico City, especially when we hit Mexico City, there's uh, swap meets basically full of our merchandise. Yeah. So we started going out. I didn't, but because I, I, I knew it'd just be crazier if I went out. But my wife would go out there and talk to these guys, and they'd be like, "Hey, you know, we'd love to work with you." They were actually scared at first that she would be mad, and she's like, "No, we'll work with you." Just like, yeah, you know. It's, we're just trying to work with everybody because it's just better to do that. And then also yeah. I feel very proud. Like this is a thing that has always humbled me about being a musician. 
when you go to other places to play, whether it's even your home city, you're providing jobs, believe yeah. it or not. Like there's people working at the bar that yeah. wouldn't be working that night. There's people working the parking lot. There's, you know, there's liquor stores, especially with our band. There's liquor yeah. stores that are making money down the street, you know, because some people like to get their pre-party on. So right. I just feel great that like we actually help there be some kind of commerce. There's money, there's people working, there's people getting jobs. And so that's awesome. You know, and, yeah. and that's basically one of the main reasons I'm still doing all this, just because I think it's great that we somehow these kids that came out of a garage are creating jobs and, and making people have a, a some kind of money, you know, like where they can yeah. actually support it. So that's cool. Yeah. Have you ever, go ahead, have Dave. You, have you ever seen a, a piece of Hyrax merchandise that was a piece of bootleg merch that was so well done that you wish, man, I wish we would have put this out? Totally, totally. And to this day, I'm still uh, either trying to do better with our stuff because these kids have made better stuff than us. So we had to make better stuff, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like uh, art imitates art, you know, like you just learn from, you know, other people's stuff and they see it from a different perspective. There's a kid that will be in say Japan that has a different perspective on Hyrax than a kid in say Brazil. Yeah. So, and even in our hometown, like here in Los Angeles, Southern California, there's a whole different take on what we do as well. So, um, but yeah, the, the bootlegs are amazing. And then like, you're like, I want some of those myself. You can't help it. If you're like, like, like I can see by your collection and the behind you, if you're like, a fan of music or even your own band stuff, you you know, there's certain stuff, but once in a while you'll see it and you'll go, did I need that for my own personal collection? You know, Absolutely. I, I actually enjoy it because like, it seems like we've just, and I'm sure this happens with a lot of bands, but over decades, there's this love for your band that is like the love that you have for other bands. Like the way I feel about Motorhead or ACDC yeah. that feel that way. So it's, it just kind of pushes you. And, and it still keeps you focused. I mean, I always knew I'd be into this for a long time just because when I was, I've always been real loyal. So when I got into music, my loyalty, it even toppled sports because well, I, I was originally a sports kid. Yeah. And music hit me and I was like, later, I'm yeah. going away to the, to the music, you know? Yeah, so, that's what uh, I think a lot of, uh, mainly, mainly rock and roll, heavy metal kids, you know, w before they you know bonding with your with your brothers and your parents when you're young sports is really good for that but sometimes when you all of a sudden the kid down the street shows you kiss alive you're over it's over sports are done you're fucking done so and then and then your parents can't really keep up with you know you wanting to steal mom's clothes and put makeup on and jump up and spit ketchup at the mirror and you know yeah totally yeah and then your whole you're neighborhood nailing, you're nailing it right now because yeah, well you you i was gonna say yeah, yeah i think a second ago you were nailing like all of this stuff that we've either talked about that i've said in other interviews myself about the tape trading about uh you know it was i have to give credit to blake ibanez from power trip uh, fugitive because he said the same thing about uh, here it comes Spotify about yeah. all of those uh, the digital platforms about uh, uh, about how well that's how it's like that's like the new tape trading that's how people are going to hear it right now instead of like well how can I get that man I have yeah. to have that demo you know well it's like just open it up and press play so 
in a way, it's kind of the new way to turn people on to music immediately and yeah. in, in immediate meeting and standing in the middle of the street where you're not even plugged into anything. Yeah. So you well, you know that, that that one service that you just mentioned, I don't, I haven't even used it. I used to use it, and then when yeah. I found out more about that service, because I'm one of those people, like if yeah. I don't like something, I just don't use it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't even tell everybody about. It. I mean, I'm telling them now, but I'm yeah. just saying like certain streaming services or businesses, yeah. I just don't frequent them if if I don't agree with what they do. You sure, know? it's unfortunate that that I agree with you wholeheartedly. The unfortunate part is that. Uh, I I have to use it because I build playlists for my job. I'm a music teacher, so I have to build playlists for my boss. You know what I mean to approve material and so it's that the, on there. so it's that so the client easy. so yeah so that the client. But it goes back to what I was saying. That's a way to. I mean, someone is learning from this uh, playlist that I've put together. That's for a show theme that we're doing that we're offering as a product. Yeah. So there's, it's just easy to go in and collect a bunch of music and as a, as sort of a, it's like hanging up a flyer. It's like yeah. making a mixtape. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So it's just, okay. it's just immediate. Hey man, I want to get into uh, just your whole vibe and your whole like retrospect and uh, opinion and just anything and everything about Kate and Depenia because, you know, Officially, and I'll say this now, I don't believe we've ever met. I was yeah, going to It's going to be time this year now that we can all crawl out of our layers and start doing shit, yeah. you know? Yeah, but I know yeah, we, that... It's crazy because we know a ton of the same people running a lot of the same circles, have done similar stuff, you know? It's, yeah. and I'm sure the same goes for you as well, man. It's like, we've been doing this... And we're obviously lifers. We're so screwed up. We're going to be doing this for till the day we die. Yeah. And uh, I just really love it. Like, um, I'm one of those dudes, if I see you in a store, even if I don't know you and you're wearing a shirt that I know. Yeah. That, what's up? It's that's, that first, that's that first day of school. You're looking, yeah. and I don't know any of these people. I'm in a new neighborhood. I don't know anybody. And then you look for the kid wearing the motorhead shirt and you go, me and you are friends and you don't even know totally. yet. Without a problem, like you could get a ride home, or if you need help, or if you need to buck for lunch, you got it. You know, like, it's isn't it isn't it weird how just music and and that just breaks all barriers and brings it together immediately. We're lucky we're from a generation that can handle shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. we came from our fa our fathers were the most badass generation, but we learned a lot from that. But we also have this new world. And the new world's still blowing us away because we're not super young. But at the same time, we're like, dude, we used to put flyers on poles. Yeah. We used to go out late at night and do guerrilla marketing. We didn't even yeah. know it was called guerrilla marketing. We no. have no idea about any of these little cool words that everybody's using now. We no. Were doing and, and you know yeah. what? There was probably uh, laws against that that just weren't enforced because it wasn't a popular really wasn't that pop to i mean to the to the system to the cops to the you know yeah they had bigger fish to fry yeah oh, yeah. yeah now you, now you see i started seeing it in the 90s you start seeing like uh you know warning signs that says no no solicitation whatsoever this could cause you know two thousand dollar fine they just yeah. think that it's littering it's like worse yeah. than littering yeah it's crazy but back when we were doing it, it was like 
No. Totally underground. And yeah. you only knew if like, you saw a flyer. Like, what's great being from South, Southern California, we would actually be really young and see Van Halen flyers and stuff on yeah. pole and quiet riot flyers and yeah. stuff like that. So, you know, I came from that. But I, I, I also just have this thing where I just really dig being a part of the movement the scene and, and helping people out and they've helped me out and that's just yeah. what we do. So um, growing up, I grew up in Buena Park, which is uh, kind of Orange County-ish, but also really close to LA County. Like we're right yeah. on the line. Yeah. So we got all the the LA bands, but we got all the Orange County bands that nobody knew about because Orange County wasn't really known like LA, you know, LA, Hollywood, Pasadena, yeah. you know, you've got all that. Yeah. So we're in the middle and my dad was in the Navy for 30 years, so I've been open to different music and different cultures from all over the world. Like, I'm totally, that's cool. I love it. Yeah. You know, I love, I love history. I love culture. I love humans. And yeah. I, music brings them together. So perfect for me. You but know, I, just, I, grew up, I grew up on all the basic stuff. I grew up on Chuck Berry. That was the earliest stuff for me. I'm not saying that to be cool. It's just the way it was. My dad was in the blues. My mom liked pop music, like the the Supremes, the Ronettes, yeah, all that kind of stuff, Motown. But but that was good. And then my brother was a, a Hendrix freak, you know. So I had an older brother, and I always hung out with older dudes. So that's where all that seventies and Southern yeah. rock, and, and I proudly love all that stuff because that's my upbringing, you know. And I grew up yeah. around guys that. Had, I was lucky because there were dudes around me that actually knew what was up. They knew music. Like yeah. I got, I got introduced to ZZ Top. ZZ Top and the Stones were probably the bands that really started pivoting to where I got into hard shit. And then yeah. when I heard ACDC and Thin Lizzy and UFO, and also don't forget Montrose. It oh, was yeah. oh, I just like a bomb went off when I heard yeah. like, you know. The drums, when you hear the drums to Rock Candy, the, when they open up that track, yeah, stuff like that was life-changing for me. And, and, yeah. and obviously Van Halen's first album when that came out, because I, like I said, I'm from Southern California, so Van Halen was not just gods, they were the band. Like, yeah, I felt, I felt for everybody around them at that time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rick, were were any of your your parents or siblings or anyone uh, actually play music, or or were they all just fans of music? Did you get yeah, it? Yeah, my my dad loved it, so he brought uh, violins back. So my sisters all played violin and piano. Oh, my cool. brother was a drummer, but uh, for me, it was more just that I got introduced to the the hard and heavy stuff, and that just spoke to me. I I think every kid has certain music that hits them. Yeah, you know, and uh, music just for me was like I had a I had a new best friend, and I made a lot of good friends from it that I still have thirty forty years later. Yeah, if they're, if they're still alive, I hate to say that, but yeah. a lot of my most diehard friends that are still around that they're from thirty forty years ago minimum. Understood. Did you have any? Did you have any aspirations uh, to play uh, an instrument in a band, or were you always kind of focused on being the front man? I just, no, I mean, I, I started out wanting to play instruments, but that takes a lot of focus if yeah. you want to be good. Yeah. You want to be really good. I don't care if it's punk rock or heavy metal or progressive rock or if you're playing, you know, John Coltrane or Billy Cobham, whatever. Uh, you really got to put time into your instrument unless you're a fool. 
Because there's so many good musicians, especially nowadays, like these kids, especially they're they're a whole next level and they've grown up with video games and they, go, they can go on YouTube and learn gu guitar riffs. We didn't have that. Yeah. Well, don't don't sell yourself short. You had to put time into being a singer, or even in a thrash band. Oh, yeah. I mean, luckily, that turned me on. Like so, like as a singer, when I saw like, you know, back to Van Halen, I saw them at Anaheim Stadium on the first tour. Wow. And Roth, like, you know, people can say whatever they want to say about David sure. Lee Roth. Certain guys may not have Rob Halford's register or Ronnie James Dio's power. Yeah. But Roth, for what he did, nobody better. Nobody better at what yeah. he did, you know. like Yeah, he was kind of, he was kind of like the, he was very dangerous. He's and the very, screams, the screams and the body movements. I mean, to parents, that would be your biggest nightmare. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he was like, he was like, he was, Elvis. Elvis. He was like, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say he's like Elvis Presley on like a thousand because yeah. he, was, he was heavy metal. He was going to steal your girlfriend. He was rock and roll. He was Jim Dandy. Yeah, he, he was yeah. Elvis. And, yeah. he, and he was holding dynamite going, hey, it's time to party. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 the rules, and the rules back then were way different. Like we can't yeah. do that stuff now. You can't get away with it. Any of that. That's why you're going to probably still old, see older rock stars get busted for crap that happened 30 years ago because yeah. we live in a different world now. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll accept it. It's a new world. But I'm just saying, seeing guys like Roth and, you know, I, I was lucky enough to see UFO pretty early. And just those bands just flipped my switch. Even if I didn't yeah. see them, like, I didn't. I never saw Thin Lizzy, which I would have loved to have seen them, especially right around 78, 79. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't get to see them, but those bands hearing their music and seeing the videos that we would get from Tower Records of Double Live and Dangerous, I remember getting that. I still have that videotape, like, right out, out of reach, out of frame. But yeah. I still have the VHS for Double Live and Dangerous. Yeah. I got that a long time ago. I was, you know, I was a child, basically a young, well, an older child, but very young. Got into it yeah. at 13. And by 15, I, that's when I saw Sabbath at 15. Wow. Wow. What tour was that? Van Halen, Van Halen oh. Boston, and Sammy Hagar opening. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's not a bad first gig. <laughs> Van, Halen, Van Halen opened up with Atomic Punk. Oh, oh that's man. so metal. No wonder yeah. you turned out the way you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love, it. I love it that your family, as you know, had such a great influence on you as a, as a young man and just as a man. Uh, yeah, five of, five of them. So that's why my music's all over yeah. the place. Even though I'm predominantly a rock metal dude, but yeah. no, music taste is yeah. crazy. When was, let's do let's do some more history. When was the first time that you met uh, Bill Matoyer? Probably 84. Yeah, 84. Okay. okay. And then really young. I mean, we all were, but he was like young and I didn't know what he looked like. So that blew my mind. Yeah. So I, I felt more comfortable because, you know, I've always been kind of the odd man out in a way, but not really, but in a way. Right. Yeah. So seeing Bill, Bill made me more comfortable and we just developed a good friendship. He's really got dry humor. I'm a yeah. little bit more crazy. I'm a little louder, but yeah. we match. We match really well. We both we both enjoy a good drink. You know, over the yeah. years you get better. You don't drink like you used to. We both are crazy, but uh, we still enjoy a good drink and a good laugh. And he's really great to work with because he pushes me and doesn't put up with shit and tells me to do it again even when I don't want to. Right. He's, he's a real producer. Like he's not just your friend. He'll 
get the best out of you. Yeah. So, so I've, I've gotten back to working with him because I didn't for a little while, but I'm probably going to, he'll probably be my producer till the day I die. I wouldn't doubt it. It's just, wow. you know, you can get different people and there's a lot of great producers. Trust me. There's so many and some bands like to work with everybody they can, but I still like that when you get kind of comfortable with somebody and he hasn't screwed up your sound and he, and he still keeps you true to what you want to do. Like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like with high rats, it's always been a certain vision. Yeah. I mean, every band has their thing. But for us, we always want to do something a little different and maybe take chances that you know, not everybody was doing. Because when we came up, most of the bands were pretty evil or had more evil imagery and, you know, satanic imagery, which we love. But we didn't want to do that. So yeah. we did. But, we, you know, he he knows what we're trying to do. Just do something different. But it's still it's still thrash metal. But it's, it's Hyrax has always had its thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Through, throughout Hyrax's sort of discography, if you will. It's been sort of a scatter of uh, of 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 a few full lengths, and it se seems like a bunch of EPs. Yeah, you know why though, uh, dude? I've had, I mean, not hard because you can sit and cry about that all day. But when you're not making, I always tell people this, and it's a fact: if you're not making Slayer money, like if you haven't gotten to that level where you got real income, and you're older, and you've got people that have families and girl friends and kids and houses and crap like that you really <clears throat> you really have it a little tougher so you gotta you know you don't really get to keep musicians because you would keep all of them if you could afford to and keep them happy but sometimes guys have better better jobs and they you know you know i had a guy who has his own business and he was way, making way more money having his own business but it was like he still did it because he loves the music sure. <laughs> so it's kind of good to have a backup job but until you're making slayer money you probably won't be able to keep a steady lineup because people get older, their values change. They're not the same people they were maybe two, three years ago. You know, like yeah. even like, look at what happened three years ago, things changed for everybody. So nobody's the same person they were three years ago. Right. Whether, whether they realize it or not. Right. So keeping a band together, as you know, and as you know, it's really not easy. So that's why there's been EPs, a lot more EPs and albums, but I'm trying to change that because it's like, yeah, it gets a little where you like do EP because you're trying to get material out there, but you don't want to put out something that's a stinker. So you're better off sometimes doing an EP than putting out a full album where you're really scratching for the last half of the record. Yeah, And that happens yeah. to a lot of bands because your focus changes too. Like, you know, you're not the same guy you were when you were 18 and living at your parents' house and eating top ramen at midnight watching David Letterman. You know? Right. It's a digital, it's a digital <laughs> age now too. So having like a, having an EP where it's, you know, three or four tunes or, or less even, I feel is okay because of the attention span. Yeah, and people are moving on fast from songs. I mean, I'm we come from a different generation, so we'll sit and read a cassette like this for hours. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Especially that one. Especially, yeah. especially <laughs> that one. We'll turn it over and look, look at the cassette tape and make sure the tape still wait, rolls. Wait, so can, I wasn't done looking at that. Can you hold that up one more time? <laughs> yeah, and then and then we'd look at it upside down, right, and sideways. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean the attention span of these kids is short. So you're yeah. probably you're probably good doing an EP, but it does show a lot of balls to put out a great record, like a full length. 
Yeah. But, you know, as you get older, too, though, it's not that you're not the same raw musician, but you start caring more. Right. So you're looking at the songs way different. You're harder on yourself. Some of the stuff sounds like shit to you, but it sounds great to your the people you're working on it with, but you're still not happy with it. So there's this inner struggle because you really don't want to release something bad and, unless you don't give a shit. But I actually care. That's why there's been more EPs because I'm like, if it's not strong enough, I'm not doing a full length. Yeah, I call I call those those songs that aren't quite there. They're just not cooked. And you, it, you, you're probably going to burn them if you try to keep working on them. So you just kind of move them over and maybe something will come of that one part that you liked. Maybe the rest of it's kind of weird. You know, uh, I, I totally get it. That's your prerogative as an artist to, uh, you know, put something together. But if it's not sounding like Hyrax, then it's not going to see the light of day. I get that. Um, yeah, and I and I was also raised on bands that had balls. So like for me, it's like if you look at the first five Ramones records, if you look at the first five ACDC records, yeah. or seven, whatever you want to say, but sure. those records were were cooked and they were. Oh yeah. Gone. I mean, those first, even the the ones that they did with the uh, the Albert Brothers for the ACDC records, those yeah. brothers had a lot of input carving and creating those songs if you go back to even dirty deeds that record's create very creative very imaginative yes and raw as hell like i forgot how good dirty deeds was the other day and i put it on and i went oh man there's some there's some cuts on that record like i don't think that record gets enough credit because you've got let there be rock and you got power age yeah high voltage yeah, yeah. But if you go back and you listen to Dirty Deeds, there's some cuts on there, man. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think that there is a people of a certain age that that they'll turn up Dirty Deeds when it comes on the radio. But the record that has all the cuts on it, and you're and you're wrapping your mind around it, and you're blown away every time at those deep cuts. There's there is a I guess a generation that won't do that because it's just not the hit. And so they're just fine with the hit. Dirty Deeds is a hit. It's still a hit. It's always yeah. going to be a hit. But it, it's everything that happens after Dirty Deeds on the record that your mind is actually being blown and I feel like people's once again attention span maybe maybe it's generational but there's a certain people of a certain age who are going to appreciate what it is that that we see and it could be any band any record be a pop record a country record a, a what a soul record whatever you know sure. a, Mo, a motown's greatest hits even you know whatever it is it's the songs you don't hear all the time that you're gonna go oh my god i forgot about this oh and you know uh, yeah. i think it goes kind of goes back to what Caton was saying earlier um you know uh about the quality versus quantity you know so I, I look at the 70s and those records and they're solid man and part of the reason they're solid is because they're nine songs and they're done and so the band first of all they put a lot of thought and effort into the creative process and coming up with great songs there was no filler you know yeah. and then and then they called it done at nine songs you know and it's like that or was less. an album or less and, or less eight, eight and then songs, guess what nine, uh, a year seven. later a year later you got another one so i don't know if yeah. if by and large if you took if you took hard rock and heavy metal today or in the last 15 20 years 
are there as many solid top to bottom all killer no filler records as there were in the 70s i don't think so because i, mean, I don't the think 70s so is phenomenal like the 70s is scary 80s is incredible too yeah. and i love the 80s the 80s was fantastic oh yeah but the 70s i mean i'm talking se- even maybe late 60s 68 through 70 to 80 right i'd say 68 to 80 is insane yeah a lot really? of solid, solid, solid records. Cream, Hendrix, Sabbath coming on. Yeah. Early 70s, too, like 70, 70 through 74. You had Montrose. You had even T-Rex, and that's more like glam. But if you listen to some of his guitar playing, well, it's heavy metal. You got T-Rex and yeah. Queen and The Sweet. Sweet, yeah. The Sweet. Dude, that record's metal. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Desol- Desolation Boulevard is so metal. Dude. <laughs> dude. Straight up this. I was, I was have- just talking about Sweet F.A. That's like metal. It's total metal. Yeah. It's just important. That's all. These yeah. kids got to wake up. And just, if you put that record on, it's perfect. Hey, I want to switch yeah. gears because we could nerd out with you for 10 hours, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, <laughs> I'm so, starting to get so, that impression. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it already. So I listen, so, so listen, I feel like Hyrax is a crossover band. Your thoughts? Totally. Totally. Um, because also I grew up on all that shit. Like I love like. I mean, my first band, seriously, because my friend's brother down the street, he was the metal dude. and But he was also a punk. Like, he was the first crossover dude I ever met. Wow. And he was the older guy. And inside his house, we'd go in, he had a turntable. It was old one, those wooden ones that were big and bulky where you had to open up the lid on it and put the records in. Yeah. A console. And, he had a yeah, console. Yeah. He had a console. And it also had an eight-track player in it that was straight. straight of course it did. Yeah. So and next to it, he had a Marshall half stack, no bullshit, and a flying V, a white flying V. And he was the guy that turned us on to the, the best. It was Sex Pistols. Ramones were first, though. So it was Ramones' first album, Sex Pistols record. Right around that time, it was, uh, but it was like 76 through 78. So we were also getting hellbent for leather. Yeah. We were getting, fuck, we were getting fucking uh, jailbreak. Yep. That record, that's another record that people don't really cut through and go, whoa, because there's some tracks on that we, record. We just had, I have to interrupt you because we just had Joey Vera on the show ye- uh, yesterday. I and, bet you he uh, heard it out about that. He totally. went off on Jailbreak. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's a completely beautiful record. They captured yeah. the guitars right. Yeah. Songwriting's completely there, especially by the time you get to Emerald. Yep. Mm-hmm. That should be played at everybody's funeral. That song is it makes you feel like standing up and just punching your fist through the through the clouds. It's amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That band's it's very special. Like yes. we could nerd out on that all day because yeah. Lizzie's records, like I feel bad for the kids that don't realize how they're one of the greatest catalog bands of all time. Yeah. Like once you get past like the first couple of records, you know, they were still trying to find their way. Yeah, but once you get around the third and fourth record, that's when they're starting to find their way. And that catalog from that point on, so even to the very last record, is unbelievable. Like even when you get through Renegade, and when you get yeah. through Chinatown, like there's yeah. certain cuts, and even the later in the album where you really realize how great of a songwriter Phil really was. Like yeah. he's not just good; he's incredible. Yeah. So the songwriting on Black Rose. Yeah. 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 
Wow. Well, he, he wrote did. any kind of song he wanted to write. And it worked. He wrote any he kind of work, Say yeah. what? And it worked. It worked yeah. oh, of course. Okay. Of course. His bass playing, which was very good. If you go yeah. through the bass too, you're like, whoa, he's playing like that. And being able to sing like that. Yep. And then between, like not every singer can sing in between stuff while they're playing bass. Right. Yeah. And his, as a writer, uh, his lyrics just are, you know, untouchable. He's insightful too. Like, yeah. Got a dude who knew, how, like, okay, we all just got to work out our differences and come together. Really. Yeah. 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 At the core so, of his writing is like, so, I've been through so much, you know? So listen, we keep, we keep nerding out on everything. Everything that we love. So let's talk about, let's talk. I listened to Barrage of Noise today. I went yeah, back yeah. And, and listened to that. And I know you guys, I, I feel like I'm not out of my mind when I say you guys toured. That's like 20, over 20 years ago, Barrage of Noise. It's crazy. It really I think, is. I think you guys came through Texas. Yeah, we did. And some friends of mine went to the show and brought brought me a shirt. I have a Hyrax shirt, Barrage of Noise shirt. Amazing. I went back and listened went back and listened to that and I, it reminded me how much of a crossover band Hyrax actually is, was, still oh, is. It's, it's, I, it's, I feel it's like the, the hardcore, are. the hardcore and the thrash and the punk element and the dystopian lyrics, the yeah. the Armageddon type of, you know, totally. maybe totally. the cliche, if you will, is still so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, and it's you, also a little more deeper, though, because I, uh, I really studied war history. Yeah. That's the one where I'm kind of a freak. Yeah. I, I'm probably a lot of my generation, too, because my dad was in the Navy for 30 years. So there was always books around the house about war. And, you know, what could happen? And my dad at night, when we'd sit down to eat at the table, six kids, he would talk about, you know, how incredibly powerful our army was because he worked for, you know, the, you know, the service. So he knew a lot. Like, he was a signalman on a ship, you know? Like, wow. yeah, so about what the, you know, he would scare the hell out of us, basically, saying how lethal we are. He said, we have weapons that people won't even see for 20 years from now. Like, yeah. So that's kind of one of those things that's kind of infused in me. But what's really weird with those kinds of themes is over the years, especially where we're at now, they're still relevant. So that's kind of why I still have a bit of that in me because over the years, like, especially where we're at right now in this world. Yeah. History is completely repeating itself, but in a bigger and more insane way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like so, yeah, the crossover thing, though, for us was natural because we were open minded as it was. So we didn't think it was wrong to listen to punk music or hardcore no. and listen to metal. But there were still people fighting and stuff in the earlier days about that, you know, yeah. physically fighting at shows. But we just never saw that. We we went to punk shows. We went to metal shows. We, you know, obviously went to more metal shows. But we went to a lot of hardcore and punk shows. And yeah. when Highlight started out, we got helped by mostly punk organizations like SST Records. A lot of people don't know that, but they helped us wow. out from the very beginning. Wow. And then also Maximum Rock and Roll Magazine in San Francisco. Yeah. Along with Pusshead, the artist, yeah. those guys—they were hit to us way early. Like Pusshead got us our real first deal, which was actually Earache Records. Before they became Earache, they put out this compilation called The Angelic and Scrape Addict okay. Flexi Disc. Yeah, it was a flexi disc, and Pusshead got us this deal with 
Earache Records. That, that's the first record they ever released. And and if I correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Pusshead do a record cover or a shirt for you yeah. guys? He did the very first album. That's so, what I thought. And that was the house. was that the Metal Blade release? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. first album. Yeah. But uh-huh. we would go to his house and there would be like Gas Tunk and Jism would be there and the accused. So we were meeting all these bands that were crossover bands before they really were coined crossover. Yeah. That had an influence on us as well. I mean, obviously we have our hard rock roots and heavy metal roots and thrash metal and speed core, whatever crossover, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But that really is a it's a core value to us because we also are entertained by shorter songs as well as longer songs. So we kind of try to mix that in there. But yeah, we're totally proud of that. But definitely a thrash metal band too at the same point. But yeah, you know, crossover. You know, we helped a lot of those bands in the beginning, like DRI got signed to Metal Blade Records because of us, and they started a new division called Death Records. Yep. And Death Records had bands that we were telling Brian, like, dude, you got to check out DRI. You got to check out Dr. No. You got to check out. Yeah, COC, all those yeah. bands. Right after, if you look when we were putting out our records, those guys came in right after that. Crypto yeah. Slaughter. All those guys were at our shows, and we're proud of that, though. Like, it's really cool. When you see bands become successful that were either at your shows or got turned on to music, it's like the highest compliment you can ever get, especially if the band's brutal. Like we've met bands like Deicide and they're like their drummer, he when he was 15, he heard the first Hyrats record. So the last time we were in uh we were just in Atlanta, we did a show out there and Deicide played one of the nights that we were out there. So we went and saw them and I went back and said hi to the drummer for the first time and said, dude, I read an interview where you brought us up and I just wanted to say that's awesome that you pay it forward like that, you know, it's really, really cool. When you get, you know, certain connections with musicians, like even with me and you, there's a respect after a while that's just, it's, you know, there no matter what. That's right. Yeah. And then when you meet these guys and they're fucking awesome and they're really smart, you know, and they, they, well, to me, they are. And they they really, <laughs> you know, because like, music to me is so important, too. So when you have that same love and if you're still doing it after 30 or 40 years, you're yeah. a maniac. You know? And so I just really respect that. So whenever I see musicians, I try to go out of my way and say hello. Or if they do the same, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Or even for me as being in Hyrax and a crossover band, the bands that like us is mind blowing to me. Like sometimes I can't even believe it. Or they're in certain bands that are pretty big, and I'm like, that's insane to me. So it's the compliment to me. Just if anybody is influenced by you, right there, you've done something pretty good. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, what do you say? That's the nerd in you. That that's the nerd in you. That's that's the why you look at the high voltage album covers, you know, upside down and backwards because you're reading all the little fine print. And that stuff's important to you. So when somebody from Deicide or, you know, another another band uh, compliments you or, or cites you as an influence, you you take that to heart, man, because you you appreciate that sentiment in those words because it really means something to you. Yeah, it's- and I respect the music, like even with bands that I love and there's a lot of bands that I've grown up on. But when there's mistakes made, you got to also own up to that, too. So for me, coming from this movement, the pressure, I, I will say there's a bit of pressure because you, you really know what you're getting yourself into. If, if you're doing a certain style of music, you know what your audience likes and what they don't like. Yeah. yeah. So going forward, as you do more records, you start really being hard on yourself, even though you, you don't really want to be. But it just ends up happening because you care so much about the music. So meeting the other musicians is always pretty awesome because they kind of know what you're going through. 
Yeah, of course. But it's also inspiring because if there's a dude that likes your band and you love his band too, you're like, I got to do better. Yeah. I got to do better every time. Yeah, because now you can't let him down. Oh, <laughs> it's not just about, yeah. It's like, uh, okay. Music, you're like, wow, man, that's awesome. It's like, I don't want to let myself down. And I also don't want to let down the drummer from DSI. So this has not to be at all. And he's also really good. So like, I got to watch them. I've seen him before, but at this show, I watched him. And for what he, you know, about, it's also about where, what, what lane you're in. But the lane that he's in, he's probably one of the best at what he does. I mean, the guy technically is superior compared to a lot of drummers. So watching him was mind blowing. And I'm like, oh, this yeah. kid, like, that's great when he was 16 or 15, whatever age he was, that that was a little bit of a trigger. So to me, it's just flattering. You know? That's awesome. Sure. That's awesome. Hey, I don't want to get to get too name droppy on you but yeah, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about ron mcgovney for a second yes that's a heavy one you still friends with him i'm sure we talk you know we haven't talked in years not that we hate each other it's none of that well, just that. I, I wouldn't think i wouldn't I no wouldn't no but that. we're really honest like he would do the same if he was on here he'd be really honest me and him are like brothers so here and there we yeah. don't get along but i love him uh, we had a certain period of our lives where we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. And those, those were like the heaviest times. It's like right after he left Metallica, yeah. I was friends with him for up until probably late, no, early nineties, early nineties. Okay. okay. But so I saw him have to deal with okay. being, out of the, being, and let's, let's be honest about this. When you're out of the biggest band in the world, still, if you think about it, I mean, I have other bands I prefer massively but no no disrespect to metallica no but they're probably not. the biggest band in the world if absolutely you think. well yeah so so for all these years that they've been big ron's had to deal with that he's like the pete best of the you know the beatles yeah, yeah. pete best was their original drummer right ron's their original bass player right so to go from metallica to not being in metallica and then if you're still on the scene everywhere you go you see metallica shirts yeah I and mean, he's had to deal with stuff that none of us can even imagine i mean yeah. some people have missed a, a a big opportunity but that was a huge opportunity that just didn't work out who knows metallica might not have made it had he stayed who knows you never know but yeah. right well it's not his fault it's not anything that he did but i understand the ploy of uh of how rough it must have been for him personally as a young man, as a as a teenager, to have to go through what yeah, it is that you're still, describing. He's a teenager. Yeah, he's, still, he's still going to early metal shows. He's still yeah. going to you know, like our shows and, and yeah. hanging out. Everybody going, oh, you used to yeah. be in Metallica. They're just, they're rising. Sure. Like 85, they're just doing this, like a right. rocket. Right. Yeah. All, all of us had to watch but, that. We could turn this into a Metallica episode easily. But what I want to talk about is the good times you had with the band that you had, Phantasm. Yes. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, that was really cool because me and Ron were hanging out drinking all the time. Oh. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, you can't take this sitting down. You got to get out there and play again. You know, like I yeah. go, look at Dave Mustaine. Mustaine, I love that guy. And I'm one of the people that actually can say I've never had any problems with him. Like some people have these different stories about Mustaine, but I love him. He rules. We're born in the same month, a day apart. I, I never even wow. really knew that. Yeah, but that we are. We're both cool. Virgos. For some reason, me and him get along great. Awesome. But he took it like he got out there with fire in his veins. He was so pissed yeah. when he got kicked down Metallica. He, he wasn't going to take it sitting down. So I was kind of doing the same with Ron McGovern. I'm like, dude. 
people care. You should get out there and play. So we, we yeah. after drinking for like three years of him being out of Metallica, something like that, probably a little bit longer, but we just would always hang out. Finally, got him to pull out his bass out of out of the case, and I'm like, "Dude, that bass alone! Look at that thing! It's like the the early Metallica bass. I think it's a Wish Wish Washburn. Okay, pretty sure it's a Washburn, Washburn bass. Yeah, he got he pulls out the white early Metallica bass that he did all the earliest shows when they went up to the Bay Area when they were first breaking the Bay Area. Right. People got to give Ron credit for that. He had a lot to do with that. Well, he, they were, he's 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 the he's part of the catalyst. He's totally. the, he's the be, totally. part of the genesis of something. He does deserve. Like I look at Ron Montgomery the same way I look at someone like Paul Diano. Even though oh, yeah. you know it, it's a different scale, maybe of yeah. Of, but that's a good way of putting it. That's right. a perfect. He's part of a of a genesis of something, yeah. so it's respectable. So the the fact that you're championing Ron McGovney to get back out there, and you guys form a band and release something, that's yeah, it was, it was it was going to be really good. But the only problem is is alcohol and speed, because back in the eighties that was huge, and we were drinking a lot more mm -hmm. than even the speed. We drank night and day and when you got a bunch of young kids like me and ron were the old men of the band and we were barely probably 23 24 yeah the other guys were like 18 right. you shouldn't even be partying like that when you're 18 i mean we drank way more than you should be drinking kegers of beer at the house where you have to finish it the next day because you like get up in the morning you're out there trying to finish a keg that you have to make <laughs> That kind of drinking. So, so wait, you feel like you have to finish it. You don't yeah. have to. They don't tell you that you don't have to. You just put it out at the street and take it back. Take the, it's a rental. You just get so rid when of you're it. a young kid. You're stupid and you just go for it. Yeah, so that's, it's yeah. a challenge. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't get as long as well as we should have. I think also the problem was we started getting pretty good gigs right off the bat because Ron was in the band. Yeah. <clears throat> so we were already doing shows with the Plasmatics. We were touring with Nuclear Assault. Awesome. awesome. Going good, and yeah. we had Gloria from well, back then she was with Sacred Right and Flotsam and Jetsam, but Gloria, who married Max from Sepultura, okay, yeah. right? Yeah, she was doing our shows when we would come to Arizona and stuff, so it was going really well. We had record deal meetings with Capitol Records and stuff, but we were so into partying, it just didn't work out. And it's uh, sad because the, yeah. the demo is pretty damn good, like for a demo that was done by a bunch of young kids and. Uh, a really cool fact about the demo is we had Rocky George was also in the band. A lot of people don't know That's that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think I so knew he, that and forgot that. And, and and he had to leave because they were getting ready to record Join the Army. So Mike Muir was like, dude, we need your focus to be over here. And I get it. So yeah. Yeah. he had to go back to do the Join the Army record. And then we recorded the demo with Gene Hoagland on the drums. And Gene was... Dude, I've known Gene before he was playing drums. So Gene coming in, he goes, if you're doing something with Ron, I want to play. So nice. Gene yeah. Holden comes in, and he's he's such a good drummer. It was oh, ridiculous. my God, yeah. Like I, he did I, all I, I lived on his uh, his mom's sofa uh, over there on Los Arcos Street for about a week. Exactly, I know exactly where that's Of course at. you do. <laughs> you we know, his sister then, too. Yeah, that's classic. Yeah. She did all the early banners, all the banners for Savage yeah. Ring. Yeah, Lisa. Yeah. Lisa Hogan. Yeah. 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 See, I knew this was going to happen between me and you. That's right. <laughs> you're right off the freeway, dude. Right where the freeway is, you're yeah. right off. Yeah, you open the front door and stand in the front yard and look to the right, and there's the wall. This the front. Yeah. You're literally dude, correct. You're, you the are freeway. killing it right now. You're yeah. killing me with all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, 
I'm glad you brought up Phantasm because I have that on my list of notes here. Uh, because on paper, that band, you got Ron McGovney, Gene Hoagland. I didn't know about Rocky George. Oh, my God. Uh, you're singing, and I'm thinking to myself, why did this not turn into something bigger? We should have also just said somebody managed us right off the bat. Like, we should have got Debbie Abono from the Bay Area to manage us. because she, she would have taken you on. And she would have known yeah. how to handle us because she right. was incredible. Like, to, to work with Possessed and Exodus and Testament and all those bands yeah. at the same time. That Violence, lady. yeah. So... Yeah. But we were just too crazy. Uh, but the thing about Gene, and then uh, we did a rehearsal, one rehearsal with Gene and Rocky, and it was one of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of. And Rocky was such a good guitar player, it was ridiculous because he walked in, he drug in his Marshall half stack. He just drags it in. I'm like, dude, most guys carry that shit in all nice and set it, drags it in like it's equipment, like he, like he was working on a job. I'm not kidding you. Then he goes out, he pulls his guitar out of his his car, and it's not even in a case. Right. And he walks in with it, throws the head on top of it, plugs in, has like two pedals, and is ready to go. Yeah. I'm like, this dude is a ringer, you know? And uh, But one of the most rehearsed, best rehearsals I've ever been a part of, I mean, to hear Rocky George doing solos, like fucking Igve Malmsteen and shit and meets Yuli John Roth, basically like John Roth and Hendrix type shit coming out of that guy playing thrash metal. Yeah. 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 yeah he, so, he's, he's an unbelievable player. Underrated. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know who I met? I met Rocky George at a Slayer show at a small club. It was Slayer, Possessed and Dark Angel. Ooh. And me and Rocky George were the only two black kids stage diving, and we we actually hit each other. And then <laughs> later on in the bathroom, because we were washing our faces off in the sink, because at those gigs it used to be so hot. Yeah, that we would go to the bathrooms and just throw water all over ourselves. Which nowadays people would be like, "You guys are gross," but that's just how we did it back in those sure. days. <laughs> and so I ended up talking to Rocky George, and we became friends from that point on. Of but, course, but I yeah, wanted, I just. I wanted to ask you about that. You said earlier in our conversation that you, when we were talking about uh, Bill Matoyer, that you were saying uh, at some point you were, you, you thought of yourself as the odd man out and now you bring up Rocky George. And uh, I don't, I don't really know how to say this in a politically correct way, but I'm just going to ask you, you, just, you, you just seem like a really chill dude. Yeah, so what, did you, was there any, uh, issues with you being accepted by the thrash metal crowd back in the day because you're a black dude. And, I, and I asked this because, you know, you were talking about your dad being a career uh, military guy, same with me. And so I moved around a lot. And when I was in junior high school, I went to a predominantly black uh, school. So all my friends were black dudes. And this is about the time I'm discovering music. So they're turning me on to Parliament Funkadelic, Rick James, oh, yes. Anna, the Commodores, and I'm turning them on to Kiss and ACDC and Van Halen. So we were we were sort of co-mingling and, and we were learning from each other, you know. Uh, so I'm just curious to know, because now you're in the thrash metal crossover hardcore scene, which is a whole nother, you know, extreme. So what was it like for you personally in that scene and and, and, I, and by the way you asked you asked that question perfectly I, I don't know what these the new generations trip on with black whatever I, I get it but at the same time like we come from a different generation yeah 
I'm pretty much like a hardened criminal when it comes to you know profanity and fucking... <laughs> yeah. I, even this interview, I feel like we're being very PC because we're not cussing like we would have done in the eighties, you know. But no, um, we're we're feel also free to if you'd like, but yeah, it, it doesn't matter. But it's because we're like you say. I like to call it uh, men of a certain age. People, yeah. people yeah. of a certain age. Yeah. I, well, I think it's a, I wanted to ask the question because I think it's valid, but I also want to be respectful and, and sensitive to the oh, nature. Very of the valid. Questions, and I got to drop speaking of dropping some names. That's this is kind of a question where you would do it. Like for me, there were bands that paved the way even before me. So I was influenced to want to do it even more because I saw a couple of bands. It was like it's like when you see a chocolate chip that doesn't have enough chocolate chips on it. I saw a couple of sprinkles. I saw a band called E-Trope. <laughs> E-trope yeah. from Chicago. Yeah, with, with a Z. Yep. Yeah, and then Snow White. That's Snow the, White. I got you. That's the Tafola brothers. Yeah, amazing. Yep. They're, they're a footnote that should be mentioned. Like any time somebody like me does an interview, if I can, I try to drop those guys' names because yeah. they should be back on. And the first two records are amazing. Like if you check out the first two Snow White records. Yeah. Wow. Ian, uh, Ian, the guitar player, reached out to me not long ago on social media. I guess it's been a, it's a couple of years ago now, but I tripped out because we did a awesome. we did a gig. Watchtower did a gig with E-Trope and um, no, no, it's not E-Trope. It's uh, it's uh, Snow White that I'm talking about. I'm thinking oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. Snow White. That's the Tafola Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you that's got the Tafola Brothers. Is Snow yeah, White. Exactly. But in E-Trope, who who is in E-Trope that that you're bringing up? It's the same guys. Uh, well, you talk, no, you're talking about. Okay, see, that's how you get them mixed up because they both yeah. got Z's. They both have a Z in front of their name, like Snow right. White. That's right. That's why I'm thinking Snow White and the Tafola. I was very, very. I apologize. I very stern. The the drummer. Very stern, who joined Trouble later on. Yeah, he was in E Trope. Yep. Talk about a great little history lesson there from yeah. E Trope to Trouble. Yeah. Not bad. Not, Not bad, bad at all. Yeah. yeah. A uh, great drummer. Just uh, he's one of those guys. Like you know, how in every band, there's at least one dude who does all the, the networking. So yeah. it'd be like for me, for Hirats, it was me. For say yep. Possessed, it was Jeff Becerra. Yep. For you, it'd be you because yep. you, I mean, certain guys take the rings, and not everybody wants to go to the post office and drop off the mail. Yeah. Right. So, so that's what I was doing, and that's how I got to know Barry Stern. He was the guy that was dropping off the mail and and you know, the pin palling and. Yeah. All the all the dudes I knew were basically my pen pals, even in Europe, which is awesome. Because when I look back on it now, like me and Quarthon were pen pals. Wow. Me and me and Millie before they were called Creator, we were pen pals. Wow. And Tom G Warrior, we were straight yeah. up. Because I I heard Hellhammer, and for some reason when I heard Hellhammer, it just clicked. I was like, no way! I've got to track down more of this band. That band yeah. just. Lord me. I was going to bring I was going to bring up Tom Warrior uh in our conversation oh, for sure. But oh. but back to what Dave's question was emulating here. Let's get back into that because I think it's very valid. Problem is you got three nerds talking and it's going to it's going to get off off subject. <laughs> derail <laughs> derail on a dime. Yeah, big yeah. time. But uh no, it's a, it's a very valid question and an important question because there are a lot of kids, not not a ton of them, but even when you go to metal shows, there's always three or four black guys out there, man. Oh, yeah. Everybody, and also the people that don't give a shit like me, there should be more because like I listen to everything, but I'm definitely a metalhead and I'm oh, a yeah. proud metalhead. So going to shows for me is a whole ritual. Oh, it's like as it a couple of be. records, a couple of records before the show. 
if I'm not driving, a couple beers, you know, before I even leave the house. And then when I get there, you know, relax a little bit, see some friends that I haven't seen in a while. It's always a family reunion. Yeah. So uh, with back to the question of being a black guy in, in metal. Yeah, there were some challenges, but not many, because luckily with me, I think people know, see what they see and either they love it or leave, don't. And that's OK, because luckily coming from a service background with my dad like yours, who was in the Navy for my dad was in the Navy for a long time, 30 years. So he was one of those guys that was always not everybody's going to like you. Right. Yeah. Straight up. Like, <laughs> so I had that, that was a good thing to have. I have a dad that was a hard ass like that, like. So it made it easier to get into music. So I was kind of, that was my whole mindset. And, but you know, here and there, there'd be some stuff, but nothing really crazy. I mean, later on in life, one time, this is a pretty heavy story, but it's not really, you can't judge a whole race. So just please don't do that when I tell this story, because it's not about a whole race. It's about a certain economic time. We were touring through Poland and I love Poland, and it got got even better. So this story might sound a little sad in the beginning, but it gets better. Right. But we had we had a night off, we, and I love when we have a night off because we can unwind and and not have to play immediately. Yeah, you got a couple <laughs> beers, maybe more, you know, whatever. It depends on your set time the next day. So we went out through Poland, and we were drinking, and uh, we had a really good show set up. There it was us, Sodom, and Death Angel the next night. Fuck yeah. yeah, that's just insane, especially <laughs> in Europe. Europe's a whole nother level when it comes to live shows, and especially if you put three headliners together. But went out and we went to one bar where they were like, hey, you probably shouldn't come in here. And I'm like, I've never, ever had that happen, ever in my life. Wow. And I was, it actually pretty hit me pretty bad. Like, like well, I was really bummed. Like, that sucks. Mm -hmm. If you've never been through that, like, I, you know, I live in America. I can come and go pretty much where I want. I mean, yeah, there's been Harry's times where you go with there's certain biker gangs that you just don't play around when they're in a bar. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. I respect that. There's a certain level, you know, and I, I live in California. We got plenty of biker gangs, but oh, yeah. that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But anyways, we, uh, they, they basically said really what it is, it's the times we're living in right now. Poland was having where there were a lot of people that weren't employed yeah. at this time. We were touring through there. So there were some guys in the bar that were drunk. And not very happy. So they didn't really want to see any foreigners, you know. I, it wasn't just my skin color. It was a couple of things. Like, these guys were basically drinking their sorrows away. Yeah. So we just went back to the hotel because it was such a depressing thing because I'd never had that happen. And we just ate and drank some beers and went to sleep. Try to, you know, not think about it. Next day we get to the show. It's totally sold out. There's over 800 Polish headbangers there. Loving every minute of it. Awesome. So there are sometimes you might go through something a little bummer, you know, and sad to you, but you just got to carry on because if you if you sit around with your life and, and worry about what people think of you, no matter what your skin color is or what music you're getting into. I mean, I always knew that I was going to be something different because I like the music that a lot of, there's a lot of black people that like metal. There oh, are, yeah. but not, yeah. not all of them go to shows, not all of them talk about it. Like you'd be surprised how many don't even talk about it. And that's kind of sad. Yeah, but for yeah. me, I'm a very loudmouth supporter of heavy metal and I always will be. So, but yeah, it's not been a ton of it, but you know, there you run into a little bit of stuff and sometimes you just got to use your own skull, your own brain and think this person's already miserable as it is. Like if, if you're a musician and I don't even care, you know, what gender or what style of music glam rules for that reason alone. Like if you think of bands like Hanoi Rocks. Yeah. They rule just for changing the game. Yeah. yeah. Same with the Dolls. The Dolls deserve so much credit, too. They, these bands actually changed the game. 
but you just gotta have a thick skin. And, and I, I realize that. So I just keep going on. And I, I know that I, luckily when you play a show and it doesn't, this is back to even just somebody looking like you or not looking like you. When a kid comes up to me that has an Afro and they're say they're a white kid with an Afro and red hair. To me, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I just, I feel like I'm there to support all the people that are a little different too. You know, yes. like, and I proudly say that because I'm, that's one of the reasons I got into this no, music. Cause don't take this, don't take this the wrong way. Take it in as the biggest compliment, you know, all hail the weirdos kind of shit, but yeah. uh, you're, you're a unicorn. Yeah, I'll take that. You're a well, unicorn. It's you know, rare. I, I, it's a, it, it can be a rare sighting to, to befriend a unicorn, to, yeah. to work with a unicorn. And then you, the, the, and this is the best part. You sometimes, you don't totally forget because you cherish the unicorn. Yeah, yeah, you love the unicorn, but sometimes you, when you get busy and you're all in the moment, you forget there's a unicorn in the room. Yeah, but I, like I said, sometimes you also got to look at it. Somebody doesn't like your music, or even you read a review, you got to think that person. There's something a little more there than you even know. So don't yeah. trip off too hard. Like, no. like even for me, I feel like Hyrax kind of represents the weirdo or the, the person that wasn't really the cool kid in school till maybe later. Yeah. You know, I kind of don't mind that. Like even the success we've had, it's been gradual and at least it's gradual, even if it's slow. And I never was into those bands that were overnight sensations anyways. Like even if you look at all of our record collections, you'll be looking through there going, these were bands that slowly kind of climbed. Even Motorhead, come on people. Yeah. That band, was still climbing as far as I'm concerned because they were never the norm and Lemmy's voice wasn't the normal radio voice, you know? It's like, a, he's, he was a unicorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. He was like yeah. the, leader, the leader of the unicorns. That's right. Yeah. That's right. One of, one of the things that's coming across to me uh, during this conversation, and I, and I love it, is just uh, – uh, the, the your your positive outlook, man. I mean, it's 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 reared its head probably a hundred times in the course of this conversation. You know, Dave, I've heard this. I've heard I've heard rumors of the uh, of the positive attitude that Caton has always. Figured, hey, I'm just. I'll be real with you. I just to still be alive, especially. Yeah. Wow. I guess I even look at it this way: if you lived in the '80s and you're still alive, yeah, it's probably because you lived in the '80s. Because I mean. The nightclubs alone, if you even think about the way the restrooms were in those nightclubs, that you lived through that. So <laughs> well, I just feel like while you're still around, especially now, yeah, we should be so stoked, man. Like, yeah. for one, we're talking through computers right now. The rest of the <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like uh, you know, once you get past the, the 80s, the rest of this shit is free. Yeah. Well, these kids, it's, uh, I hate to say it because we are the older guys, yeah. but the kids, have, they really have no idea, man. Like, no. in a way, they've got it great, but in a way, they've got it bad. Like, we still got to look at album covers. Like, now they're getting, you know, they're buying vinyl, but we've been looking at it for 30, 40, 50 years. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. So there's, a, there's a bonus there where there's some older people don't realize that they should be stoked. And so for me, being 59, uh, being 60 in September, is awesome that I'm still running around trying to be a freak on stage and, and still holding up. Not too bad. Like I haven't fallen apart completely yet. And so I just think you got to look at all the bonuses you've got. Like 
we, we lost a lot of friends, especially in the last three years. And then even in the last year, like even Bob and Albany. Yeah. Uh, I was going to talk about, start, I was going to bring yeah, up we should, Bob. You should yeah. definitely bring him up. I mean, what a, what a great spearhead for the whole scene. Like all of us, that guy was out there championing this music. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he really championed it. Like there's, yeah. and he wasn't even one of those like guys that had an ego. He just really, humble down to earth trying to help out for the right reasons he wasn't doing it to try to get over on anybody he was doing it for pure love so bob nalbanian you know everybody says his name a little different so i'm trying to make sure i say his last name correctly and i've known him for 40 years no worries. <laughs> but that guy when i first met him he was actually helping out bands like slayer when they were still wearing spandex and makeup yeah yeah he, he was helping out bands that were pre-slayer bitch August Redmond, which is a very rare band that most people don't even talk about. Yeah, he I remember them. He managed August Redmond. He, he worked with Armored Saint for a long, still to up until death, he worked for Armored Saint. You know, yeah, I, used to, I used to hear because I'm friends with the Armored Saint guys. Uh, the, hey, cheers to you, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thank not you. bad, huh? Um, yeah. But but just to, don't derail me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're we've, had, we've that, heard dude. this story a few be times care, on, the, careful, on the podcast. Be careful. Be uh, careful. Uh, okay, where was I? Yeah, the uh, Bob, the Mad Armenian. Is I read yeah. that on on the back of uh, early Armored Saint records before, maybe before I met him, and I I did meet Bob um, at. Um, here's some name dropping for you. This is um, God. What part of LA is it? it doesn't matter. Uh, I'll think of, maybe I'll think of it in a minute. I was at Michelle Meldrum's house. One of the most awesome musicians ever. Yes. Uh, and let's not get derailed. Keep going. Bob, Bob Nelbanian in, in the house. In the house is what I consider to be some kind of on many different levels, probably as a royalty that I didn't even like put in any perspective when I walked into the room. Uh, it's Michelle's house. So there's that, but yeah. Bob Nalban. Hey, Jason, this is Bob Nalbanian. I'm like, I have, I know this name. Okay. Don't freak yeah. out. You know, and this is Bruce Bouillet. What? You know who oh, Bruce God. is, right? Bruce. And this is Rocky George. That's rad. So, yeah. so two of the best guitar players on the West Coast with yeah. Bruce and Rocky and Bob Nalbanian, the mad Armenian, all sitting there at the dinner table at Michelle's house. This would have been in like 1986 yeah, that's or something awesome. like that, 80, maybe 87. And uh, that's when I met Bob. And then I, I, I realized as the years went by because we all remembered each other from those moments. Like I, I, I got to play bass with uh, Gene Hoagland on drums and Rocky George on guitar playing Beautiful. Ace of Spades at the whiskey at Michelle's uh, wake, her celebration of life. Yeah, she was and, amazing. and that, uh, that was unbelievable. But the point that I'm making is, is Bob, like, as you said, like championed all of these, all of these uh, bands, and then oh, later warrior. on became yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've known him, or you knew him, so like for, you're saying forty years. Yeah, way back, and it, it was great because he really was one of the first. Like he had a fanzine, yeah, and even just the ads, and it was like the ad for the first Slayer record. 
Like where yeah. they're all over the altar, where there's the girl that's laying on the altar all bloody. And it's like one of the most classic early Slayer photos. Yeah. He was working yeah. like that. The cool. first time I saw Slayer, they were opening for August Redmond. And they did half covers and half originals. Do you remember some of the covers they were doing? Yeah, Rapid Fire by Judas Priest, uh, Highway Star, Deep Purple. Kick ass. That's just off the top of my head. But I do remember it. Like, seriously, I could close my eyes, be back in that club. And there weren't that that many people at that Slayer show either. And Bob's magazine, Bob's fanzine was called The Headbanger? Yeah, yeah. Really cool little fanzine. It was like quarter size. Yeah. Do you have any copies of that? Yeah, my archives, but my archives is a nightmare. So, oh, <laughs> sorry. I feel sorry for whoever's got to dig through it when I'm gone. Because like, what the hell was this guy thinking? Got <laughs> so much stuff; it's ridiculous. And that's the stuff I was able to keep over the years. I, there's so much I didn't like. You know how it is. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Where are you going to put all that hard stuff? At? Open that closet door. I lo- I lost a lot of it in like rain damage and shit like that. So it's very sad, sad story to think like that. So, so okay. There's there's Ron and there's Bob and um you know just a moment to think about Bob because uh, it's just terrible. Fuck cancer. It sucks. It totally sucks. And also Bob was such a rad dude that not really anybody knew. Because some people are yeah. private. I get that. Like, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I don't even want to think about it. But I don't know when you're, you know, that is told to you, what do you do? Do you tell everybody? Do you not? I don't think he told very many people. Like, yeah. luckily, I had a couple of his other close friends get a hold of me. And that made me feel better because he actually had mentioned me. So that was like, yeah, wow. Kind of me, I mean, I actually cried. And, you know, well, not well, that good. I don't cry. Because we all cry, but there's not that many men that I've cried over in my life. There's a handful. Well, Bob Bob is uh, worth some tears because he was... Also, just that I knew he would have been doing even more. Because, like, I mean, he even did that last series on L.A. Metal, which he he deserves. Like, now there should be some posthumous award because if he wouldn't have done it, who knows who would have done it. Right. And he was talking about bands that, like, even for me, were like the dinosaurs of L.A. rock. Like, there was this band called A La Carte. He brought them up. He brought up Snow, which was Carlos Cavazos' first band before he yeah. joined Quiet Riot. Yeah. Which, for us, Snow was like, they should have been, like, third or fourth runner-up out of the L.A. bands. They should have been huge. I might, were, ha- I might have some, I might have a, something with Snow, like a Yeah, Snow look up there. There's a, there's a 10-inch white EP. Snow, okay. it's just, it makes sense because Snow is white. But anyways, yeah. Snow, 10-inch EP, uh, Carlos Cavazo from Quiet Riot plays guitar on it with his brother on bass. It's amazing. There's a song called Crack the Whip. Okay. it's Look up Crack the Whip by uh, Snow. Oh. But they also, the thing that's crazy about Snow, I'll just tell you this real quick because it's a little nerd thing, but we'll move on. Snow did a song called What a Drag, No More Booze, and that became the song Mental Health. That's what mental oh. health came from. Oh, wow. wow. That That's big riff, that bam, down, 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 down. Yeah. It used to be, what a drag, no more booze. And oh, wow. we used to go see them in the clubs. And I, that was one of the first club bands I got to see was Snow. Wow. wow. Man. So it's great when you get to see a riff like that become a huge, like mental health. That's what everybody knows Quiet Riot for. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I, I had no idea. 
I, yeah, I was so, aware of snow, but I didn't know that was the origins of metal health. And Yeah, it came from snow. And that was their closing song, What a Drag, No More Booze. <laughs> they they <laughs> probably, if they, if they see this podcast, they're going to be stoked because like, their band was so good. They had this drummer that was like, he, he's still around, but like he was the guy that influenced me probably the most out of the bands that I saw, and he was a drummer. Wow. Yeah, he used to stand up have his sticks going, you know, be up on top of the, the floor toms. He was amazing wow. and still be able to play incredible drums. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's, there's a lot of Bob, Bob championed all that. So yeah. for him to talk yeah. about, you know, bands that just don't get any of that credit. I mean, we had bands, there was a band called four play. They were like the Aerosmith of, of LA. Wow. And they, they were good, but they were so much like Aerosmith. Where were they going to really go? But they were like, the pre before you had tribute bands and cover bands. Yeah. But they did all originals, but foreplay was the Aerosmith of LA. They had that sleazy Rolling Stones yeah. kind of thing going on. Pretty nasty. Time. Yeah. All that. But that shit's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, back to another band, first five albums, Aerosmith. Come on. Yeah. yeah. By the time you get to Rocks, it's over. That, yeah. that album's insane. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, there's a couple songs under there that are downright. Scary combination. Combination is so big yeah. when that record opens up. Back in the saddle, that yeah. when it opens up. Yeah, yeah. It's That's uh, Jack Douglas, I think, isn't it? That's, you nailed it. That's from reading those credits, man. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so what's what's next for Hyrax? Uh, I don't think you've done uh, is 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 Immortal Legacy the last uh, recording that you? Yeah, that was the last one. We need see that's the other problem, like with Hyrax, and we've done pretty good for a band who puts out records like every four or nine years. But but uh, now there's good stuff in the works. Like it's funny, all that stuff ends up being who you are at the you know later on in life. So everything that we've done up to this point has helped. You know, it's been like a kind of like setting up dominoes, you know, but hopefully they don't all fall. But, you know, you're slowly setting up pieces in its place. And the new record's going to be great because it's, for one, we're hungry after three years of what we just went through. Yeah. that with our, We already were hungry before that. But if you put three years of pressure and craziness and sadness and happiness and sadness and happiness into a blender, that's basically what the new record's going to be. I'm sure a lot of bands could say that, but I've had a lot of time to think about stuff and how I want to do it sure. all the way down, all the way down to the artwork. You know, I mean, certain artists I, I'm already in touch with, which some of it gets scary because some of these guys are pricey, but you want your art to be killer, you know, yeah. like, so, it's you know, people. all that stuff and, and the songs, I want them to be me memorable, like not just get the production right, but I want there to be more riffs because, you know, yeah. like, when you listen to a lot of records, you got these guys doing riffs, but how many do you really remember? Right, right. That would be just even going back to the, our old roots, whether it be Ronnie Montrose or Billy Gibbons. There's got to be more licks, more riffs, even if it's metal. Well, you know, one of, one of my favorite riffs of all time, as far as thrash metal goes, is uh, Chemical Warfare. It's one note. <laughs> it's one note. Incredible, but you, but you never forget it because it's a pattern. It, I call it Morse code. Right. And then the kick drums play the riff. Yeah. That's, 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 that's incredible. 
That's yeah. just very creative drumming, and Dave's always had that. That dude's a special, special person, man. Like, there's not too many octopuses out there that play drums like that, you know? Right. Yeah. So, but, yeah, did you know? A, you probably know that Gene Hoagland was holding down the the kick drums. Yeah, yeah. When they Gene recorded was, that, Gene yeah. was there early, man. He really was. He was like the younger dude, but he was there. Don't get me wrong, like, and he really changed Archangel once he came in. Yeah was able to showcase what he could do because he, he's not just a drummer. I mean, half the, I think the Darkness Descends and the next record is mostly him writing after a while. Yeah, too. he wrote lyrics and wrote guitar riffs and might have even played rhythm guitar. Yeah, that's where he's a bit like Neil Peart. He's yeah. a bit like that or, guy. Or Charlie Benante. Benante yeah. yeah, Charlie's incredible too. Like, uh, everybody has different feelings about Anthrax, but if you get down to the drumming on that band... That dude is a master. Well, he's writing the riffs too. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. But uh yeah, Gene, man, I I'm actually so happy for that guy. Like he's done what he's wanted to do. He's doing it his way. He's actually really too smart. A lot of people don't realize how smart Gene is. He's he's ridiculously yeah. smart. Oh, I know. Yeah, he, and he's he, he so he's he's got Dark Angel full time now. And uh, they're, they just announced some shows. They're finally playing in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad for that. I mean, I think it's kind of like that whole thing, like with Metallica, like at least you got Megadeth out of it, you know? Like with, with Gene, he might have left Testament, but he left him on a high note. And he's also getting back to, you know, he, he knows. Also, it's kind of his thing. Like if you look at Dark Angel, and, and I love G Jim Durkin's like one of my best friends. Love that guy. Awesome. Yeah, I love the Jim. guy who pretty much is now Dark Angel is pretty much Gene, so he's got to run it his way, and and I get that. Like, yeah. after a while, when you've been doing this for a while, you can work with a lot of people, but all of us kind of got a little bit of a dick dick side to us. Like, you've been doing this for a while, like you should do it your way all the way to the end. I mean, yeah. I'm not well, saying, it's it's not really like the you know, it's not like a rough, you know, like a dick. You're not a dick if you're talking with your heart. So well, I think some people take it the wrong way because I've yeah. seen over the years, even me as a singer, people sometimes get the wrong idea because you're in charge of a lot of shit that nobody else wants to be in charge of. Right. Whenever you're the guy that's got to go deal with the business side of things, that's when you've got to be hard because if you don't, you get screwed. Right. But not everybody understands that not, if, if they're the one that has to collect the money or you know, make sure the band gets taken care of where everybody gets to sleep comfortably and, and travel comfortably. Uh, you have to be a little bit of a hard person to deal with all that because there's people that don't want to give you sometimes what you're supposed to get. You That's know? right. Just, just being honest. I mean, it's not rock star shit at all, man. It's really no, actually- it's, it's survival. And management. It's just yeah, survival. It's human, it's, it's human stuff. Like yeah. being in a band is a lot, man. It's a lot of making sure everybody's heads are in the right place. Yeah. Is everybody healthy? Is nobody tripping on drugs? You know, right. all these different things that do matter in being a band. So yeah, like, you don't want to get to the gig and say, where's the bass player? Yeah. I mean, I have to get all our guys together. That's enough as it is, you know? So. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's something that we, you know, we love and that's why we're still doing it. And it, we'd go through all the hard stuff that nobody ever sees behind the scenes. They think it's all beautiful. And there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of stinky vans and, and buses and hotel rooms where there's not enough rooms for everybody. So sometimes guys got to crash two on a bed, you know, yeah. but 
we do it because we love the music and it's not it's not a big deal that people don't know all this stuff but we're just being honest about it and that's why yeah. talking to you guys you guys get it because you've been around and you yeah. see how it works you know let's yeah. talk about the hyrax logo i'm so glad you still use that how uh-huh. did you how did you so so dave may know he may not tom g warrior created that logo for you how uh, did you how did you yeah i mean dave when you think about or look at the hyrax logo and then you look at the celtic frost logo yeah i can see it the twisted letters they're yeah. all kind of gnarled the little the thorns yeah yeah the yeah, thorns yeah. that's okay. that's all that's 100 percent tom warrior how that happened yeah, the thing about him he's just a fucking awesome dude and it almost kind of freaks me out he's so cool because I see how well he does and how he carries himself and how he's yeah. in his own stuff. Like the dude is a triple, fourple, fifple threat. Like yeah. he can draw, he can write lyrics, he can put songs together, he can record. Okay. He has a thing that he's been doing for a long time and you can see it in his work. Like I have a lot of respect for him. So yeah. just over the years, it was just the beginning of, I loved his band, he liked us a lot. We would be tape trading, which brought a lot of us together. And he said, I want to help promote your band. And I'm like, that's insane. So whatever he needed, he wanted photos. I go to the post office and mail them out, you know. And so he had this this uh, letter that he used to send out called it was Prowling Death Management, where he oh, yeah. promoted Hellhammer and Celtic Frost and Hyrax. And he had a couple other bands. I think one was called Messiah. Yeah, Messiah was one of the other bands, and he had something else like Drifter or something. Yeah, but yep, that's a that's another Zurich band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. Now you're really showing your nerd colors, dude. Well, I wore a Drifter shirt in a Watchtower promo photo. So, that's insane. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. So he he um, I sent him the the first Hyrax demo, four song demo, and he goes, "I love the demo, but I hate your logo." And I'm like, "Okay," and he's like. He writes back, he goes, do you mind if I design a logo? I'm like, go for it. You know, because back then we were still really young and we hadn't really gotten to where we're at now. So like, it was a different time where he was a younger musician yeah. and he was a, he's a fan too. Like yeah. even Tom, you were as a fan people. So yes. that's yeah. what makes him so good. Like even him as an artist, his taste in music blows me away. Like he, he brings up funk music and stuff that, you know, some guys won't admit to liking. And I love yeah. that. I like a lot of funk myself, and, and I think that it helps you as a musician to even listen to that music because there's stuff going on that you'll pick up and go, I could probably do that in metal, and it would sound killer because Eddie Van Halen's done it, done a damn good job at throwing funk into some of them Van Halen oh, tracks. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. ZZ Top is funk. Led Zeppelin yeah. is funk, and no yeah, one no, no one realized that. And when you say that, they might even get mad at you. <laughs> and they go, you tell, you tell me that you yeah, John Bond. That's funk. Yeah, without and, a doubt. Yeah, and ZZ, ZZ Top, that's all funk. Yeah, That's funky, man. That's ripping it, funk. And we were lucky because in the 70s, we had access to that because also a lot of those records were on the same label as Kiss. Yeah. So you could buy some funky stuff in Casablanca, but you could also get your KISS records too. And that's why Parliament, a lot of people love Parliament. And there's a reason for that because they were great and they were theatrical. Yeah. But at the core of it, those songs, if you go through those 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 records on Casablanca, those first like four, back to the four or five record thing, but yeah. Yeah. Parliament, yeah. Funkadelic, come on. 
Yeah. Yeah. Great songs and great, like, just delivery and lyrical approach and talking over certain parts. They were amazing, you know? I feel yeah. like a lot of the bands that are that were on Casablanca shared wardrobe. <laughs> and, and stage props. I bet you some of those props flipped around. It was Parliament props, and then it was Kiss props. Yeah, I yeah exactly. <laughs> Spray painted a different color and, it's, yep. and then send it to another yep. band. And those bands were promoted pretty good, because I remember there being big-ass Parliament posters just like the Kiss posters. I remember yeah. all of them. You know? Yeah. And so for me, even back to Hyrax, I want to get back to what we've been doing, but also more hardcore, because like when you would buy a record, remember what you used to get inside of those Kiss records, like Love Gun? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was insane. So throwing some stuff like that in there, just I, I want to make it a, a really good experience when you open up the record. That's always been my approach. Anyways. You know, we, had, we still do. We had uh, Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage on the show, and there was a great conversation going on with him, like there always is when you're in the room with Ronnie. Yeah, but dude, he he loved talking about. And this would have been back in the day, but um, he still believes this. If you can make a music fan's day by just writing them a letter and sending them a stack of stickers and some old flyers and a in an unreleased song or a, a yeah, that's awesome. That's what it's supposed to be. If you can make someone's day, that's what he said. He goes, "I'm just trying to make someone's day." That's yeah. rad. I yeah. will. I will spend an extra dollar or two at the post office and th throw some swag in there just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just to have some kid go, what is this care package? Nasty Ronnie, what? And they open it up and they call all their friends. Come on over. Look at all this. Show. Oh, my God. Next thing you know, it's a party just because the mailman came. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And yeah. I still feel that way when I get stuff. Yeah, it's me a too. By myself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel you know, whenever something arrives here or a friend sends it to me that I love and respect, because, you know, you have certain friends that they send you something, you know, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I've got yeah. a couple of buddies that send me stuff and I'm like, I don't even know how to repay you because you sent such a <laughs> I think sometimes it's just about blowing the other guy away. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a contest. Totally. The mail. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I almost see it that way, even with the Internet, because trust me, I think we're all guilty of it. I think if you buy stuff, why would you want to hide it anyways? Like, I, I know a lot of record collectors that are just putting records away that nobody will ever see. And I was like, dude, you've got a relic in there that somebody that's a fan would at least like to see. Yeah. Just sometimes you see a picture, like, there are guys that post pictures of records, and I'm like, I go, that's badass. Yeah. And it actually yeah. makes my day. You know, it's kind of cool when you see a record of somebody that you know and they appreciate such a great record. And yeah. it's inspiring. You might either go get that record or it reminds you, oh, I have it in my collection. When, when was the last time I pulled that record out? I have to interrupt I have, because yeah. once again, we could talk forever. There's a couple of things that I want to bring up before I forget. Okay. And I'll just say what they are. First off, I want to say I, I love it that I love Tom G. Warrior. He knows that I love him. He's amazing. Yeah, he, he knows that I love him very much. Uh, yeah, he is very, he's He's is a unicorn. He's dude, talk about ahead of the game though. One, he was sending me packages. There's there. only one Tom Warrior. There's only one of those men. I, okay. I consider him one of the guys for sure. Yeah. So so then the there's the interthrational. Oh, okay. I want to talk about the interthrational, and I want to and I want to talk about the well. It's fairly recent. Yeah, the interthrational show that you did. So. And, and the lineup, the all the guys that you be, we could yeah. be here another hour. You just talking about how that came together well, and how you got invited to do that. 
I That'll also, be awesome. Can make it quick. I also want okay. All of these might might be quick because there's a few more things. Uh, the all the other thing is is uh, uh, Mike Patton inviting Hyrax to open for Mr. Bungle. That dude's amazing. Talk about a unicorn. Here's a, that dude's amazing. Here's a, here's the last here's the last one, and then I'm done vomiting on you guys. Okay, that's awesome. Here, <laughs> here's, the last, here's the last one, and this one might be sticky, but it's part of the history of Hyrax. And that is, and I just saw this, I'm confessing, I'll cut my throat. I, I confess oh, that I saw this on uh, uh, Wikipedia that Paul Bailoff. Yeah, he came in after me. Took yeah. your place for a second. What the fuck yeah. is that all about? Can we start with that Honestly, one? If you're ever going to have two singers that love each other and not bummed that the other has come in after that, I fucking loved it. I would have loved to have heard Hyrax with him. I was like, you guys need to at least record those rehearsals or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, they, if there's tapes, but I would love to hear it. One of my favorite people and vocalists of that whole era because he came up with something nobody had done. It's like listening to that first Exodus record is like a horror flick. Yeah. Seriously, if you played that to a horror movie, perfect record for that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But uh Paul, I loved like you you'll meet a few musicians as you go around through this thing called life, and he's one of those guys I can not say one bad thing about it. There are people that thought he was crazy. He was lovely crazy. Yeah. And uh the, the kind of guy that could make everybody realize sometimes you just gotta let some steam off and have a good time, I'm not trying to hurt nobody, just having a good time and I mean, he broke televisions for a reason. That's not a human, all right? And, you know, old televisions, they got to be destroyed sooner or later. So That's he can't Nasty be Ronnie. Nasty Ronnie would yeah. would would destroy those because yeah, he, he has to. Yeah, but Paul was amazing. So I, I left Hyrax back again, all the partying and stuff. I was a part of it. So in the, the, the 80s, right around the late 80s, I left, right, 87, I think? Yeah, it, coins, it coins 89 as when Paul okay. came in work. Yeah. And so they actually asked him, and I thought it was a good move, actually. If I wasn't going to be there, I can't do too bad having that guy come in. So, oh, yeah. But for some reason, probably with the back to the party and stuff, that was a time when it was really getting crazy. Like, even Paul, when he got kicked out of Exodus, I went up to visit him because we were still friends. It's not going to change our friendship. Oh. And he was living in an ab abandoned house. You know, like well, he went through some hard times. Not everybody's bringing that up, which is fine. They don't because he still turned out to be the most awesome dude ever. But he went through some hard times even after he had been out of Exodus for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, but I still stayed friends with him even when he was in Hyrax and, and then he left. And I was kind of like, that sucks. Cause, but I mean, I went back after a while because some of us end up doing that where you get back together with your band like a oh, yeah. breakup with a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. But I uh, loved him. Yeah, he was. It's true, though. He really was in high for a little bit. I just wish they got some recordings of him. Did he yeah. do any live shows with them? Do you recollect? Uh, not that I know of. He probably did, though. But I don't think it was on a big scale. Like, Paul was one of those guys, if he felt like doing a show, it didn't matter if it was promoted or not. Like, he was. Right. He really was the real deal. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he's, to me. Legendary. To me, this is a this is a big compliment, but in a more serious way. But I love John Belushi. He's like the John Belushi of thrash, and I love that. <laughs> to me, it's like the perfect like he the, the food fight episode. That would be a Paul Bailoff gig. That's <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> That's perfect. I That's, could totally see that. It's not a gig well, until I draw blood. Yeah, I, lo I love and just the way he would talk on stage. It's like this is insane. Re it's ridiculously insane that he's saying this, but it's awesome because somebody needs to say it. 
You know, like, yeah. that's what I loved about him. If you go back and listen to any of those live recordings, even the one they did at uh, Studio Studio 54, yeah. when they did the tour, yeah. the, the banter in between songs is like, I don't even know if the crowd totally gets it all the time because yeah. it's just so... You're talking really, about the ultimate revenge. Yeah, yeah. That 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 live footage that Exodus has on that, yeah. the, the talking in between the songs is amazing. Like, yeah. we used to make tapes of Paul just the banter, not even the band playing. Oh, we that's just... like what people do to Paul Stanley now. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's I saw. I think I saw a Bayloff one on YouTube or something. Oh. I, yeah, I think, there, I think uh-huh. there is one of him, you know, jabbering in between songs, and it's like his greatest hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he was in there, and then I think that's kind of where this whole love for the Bay Area. But it's also a brotherhood and also a dysfunctional family thing. So moving on to the Bay Area and a thrational thing. I've been going to the Bay Area since 1984. I've been going up there to play shows since those early days. You were were part of that. And, you know, I've seen pictures of you hanging out with all of the, you know, Harry O. We've had Harry O on the show. Uh, We, You know, I've seen pictures of you with Harry and Hetfield. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's a big connection between yeah. us, even though the Bay Area always tries to kind of be the, just the Bay Area. But no, dude, we're like brothers. It's really weird in a, in a good way, but it's still really weird because there's still this divide because it's almost like sports. Yeah. It's like you know, the Oakland Raiders, LA Raiders, you know. Oh, yeah. I get 49ers versus the Raiders, that kind of stuff. Like, it still goes on to this day. There's still that little bit of that. Okay. But we, we love them. We've always been respectful of the Bay Area, but it's also like where you sh- we also say, hey, you need to look back at LA because a lot of that came from LA that went up to the Bay Area. And then there's also so many great LA bands like, not just to mention my own band, that you know, that's ridiculous. But when you think about Armored Saint, Savage Grace, even Bitch, who doesn't get mentioned at all. But if yeah. you listen to those first two EPs, those Bitch EPs are great. Yeah. Uh, there's also Abattoir. Yeah. I'm, I know I'm missing some bands, but, you know, that's even got, if you go back. Uh, Steve Gaines, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and even if you think about, even say, Sound Barrier. Yeah. Like, you know, we're talking about the black thing, like about, yeah. you know. Men of color, but sound barrier never get mentioned. Yeah. We talked about Snow White and Etrope. Yeah. There's a band from Germany called Mass. A lot of people don't even know oh, about wow. Mass. Yeah. I know I know who that is. Yeah. yeah. Mass, their their singer was black and he was German. Wow. So I'm just saying, like, there's always been a little bit, and people need to kind of maybe like let kids know so that other kids that might be different or feel like they can't be a part of this could be a part of this. I mean, I, I just try it. to open doors you know it's not even just about being black it's also about whatever somebody is just it's we're open come on in if you got good music let the music do the talk and that's why i was always always cool with bands like hanai rocks because the music did the talking to me first yeah yeah when i saw the live at the marquee video i said these guys are freaking incredible not to name drop and brag but we've had mike monroe on this show you should name drop that because that dude's still amazing and still going strong. He has sat right where you sat, where you sit now on our screen. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah dude, I love that guy. He rules. And even Sammy Afa, all those guys yeah. are amazing. Yeah. So I just think it's all right to be, as you say, a unicorn. Yeah, man. So, so going up to the Bay Area for many years, then later on what happened is I got asked to do some benefits. There was a benefit for uh, Sean from um, – 
from uh, violence. violence. Yeah. We did a benefit for him, which raised a lot of money. And then there was another benefit that I went up and did for uh, Tom Hunting from Exodus, yeah. which raised a lot of money too. So at that show, they asked me to come on and do a song with them. So I came up and did an Exodus song. And I've always been kind of not into doing you know, covers. I'm, I'm really weird like that. I mean, I, I probably because I'm such a music freak. That's fair. That to me, it almost ruins it because I'm like, I'm so used to hearing Thin Lizzy do Emerald. I don't want to hear anybody else do it, even though I know that's great. I, I know there's a lot of great covers out there. I get it. I've just listened to so many records for so many years. I have one of those people like, ah, I can't do it, you know, yeah. unless it's an amazing cover. Like, if you've ever heard uh, Sales of Sharon by Igve Malmsteen, yes. that cover is insane. Wow, and, and I love the Scorpions like nobody loves that band. I love them completely. But if you hear the Igbe Malmsteen version of Sales of Sharon, it's burns. It's just amazing. Yeah. So that's that's kind of why I put the pendulum when it comes to doing covers. But so I did that. And it actually went well. Like I, I got to jam also with Gary Holt and Tom uh, uh, Rick Holt. Rick Holt. Yeah. Yeah. Both guitar players from Exodus who I respect like you would not believe. Actually, Gary had sent me a message saying we'd like you to come up and do some sanging. He's so old school. We <laughs> want you to come up and do some sanging. But uh, I did it and it actually went well. So a few months later, then I got this invitation to do the Bay Area Interthrational. And it's all musicians that I totally respect and love. You know, how can you not respect these guys? It's like the core of the Bay Area, basically. I mean, the only guys that were missing were probably like Gary Holt and uh, Alex Sholnick. I mean, but they had other guys that were great. The guitar player, Josh from Toxic, was there. Um, there's this guy that just got the gig for uh, Soulfly. Mike uh, DeLeon. Mike DeLeon. Yeah, he's, he from was right, there. He, he's from right down here. He's amazing. He, I mean, he, I'm sure you already know that. He lives like 15 minutes from me. Well, tell him I said hello because he I, just. I, we're that we're, we're not close. Him. We're not close. But his name is uh, the cat's meow right now. Everyone's you love him. talking about Mike. You love him. Like, oh, I've done. He, I've done gigs with Flesh Hoarder, his band. Okay. Yeah, Flesh Hoarder, a bunch of times over the years, and he's a sweetheart. The reason I, I bring it. Go ahead. The reason, the reason I'm bringing him up though is like he's one of those rare musicians that you meet, and you're like this dude gets it and he's also a gentleman like he's just like he should he could get any gig basically with any band because he's like one of those guys that could actually work like where he could probably work with somebody really difficult because he's such a good human like yeah seriously this guy and i can see why he's like after we started playing with him i'm like this guy's a ringer like he's one of the few dudes i've seen in a long time where i'm like yeah uh, like the like the way I like Ace Freely, let's put it that way. He's that cool. Wow, wow, that's yeah. big. He's like one of the cool. And like I met him on the plane. We were flying to uh, Europe, and I met him on the plane. And I just knew just from the first few seconds we talked, this guy. But then to see him play, so he he's doing Texas proud. Like this guy, yeah, really play. He brings energy. Like usually with musicians, you can always feel when you're playing with a group of good musicians. Yeah. Certain dudes bring that extra kick. He's that dude. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Texas should be very proud of him. But yeah, we, so we, we are. Everyone's talking about him right now. And I'm just proud really to does. say that he's from right there in San Marcos, Texas, which is like the elbow of Austin, Texas. Yeah. And if he's one of those guys, if he's playing on something, I'll actually pay attention. Wow. Yeah. Tell he's us real quick about He's going to love hearing that. So. Tell, tell us real quick about the, the Mike Patton, uh, uh, Mr. Bungle thing that jason alluded to earlier. yeah yeah 
So this is a good one. So back when we first started playing in the Bay Area, so this thing keeps going back to the Bay Area because LA is not too far. We're six to eight, eight hours away, depending on how fast you're driving. If you're driving fast, it's six hours. If you're driving, you're taking some breaks, stopping at McDonald's, it's about eight hours. That's all day, man. That's a, that's a yeah, long so drive. It's not, it's pretty far for, for me. Maybe I'm just old, but yeah. It's a hell of a drive. Yeah, it's a long. So it's a long drive. We would drive up there, especially now. It's a hell of a drive. When I was younger, I didn't give a shit. You know, we just drove it and talked the whole way. You know. Yeah. But uh, the first early days of Hyrax, one of those kids that was at the show was Mike Patton. Like, really young. I didn't know he's gonna be what he became. I just saw this kid. He'd be so early at our shows before anybody. Like, we would be loading into the either the on Broadway up in San Francisco. Yeah, or, I played there. In Mabuhe Gardens downstairs, yep, you know? Yep, yep, yep. So we would be loading in, and Mike Pat would be one of those kids. He'd be the first one or two kids there and have want stuff signed. And uh, he used to write me letters. I still have one of those letters where it's, wow. it says Mike Patton. And I didn't know he was going to be who Mike Patton is now. But That's amazing. But that he was the, that's what's even more amazing, that he remembered once he got bigger that he could he could handpick whatever when he does shows. So I got this message from his manager and, I, I did. This is what funny. At first, I didn't reply back. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Nobody helps anybody out anymore. Who's going to help us with a gig? So I look, and my wife goes, "You should." My wife's always the smart one. I tell you that. If it wasn't for her, half the high rack shit would probably not happen. Wasn't so she high. goes right back, and I wrote back, and it really was real. And then they, you know, they took care of everything that they said they were going to take care of, and we got a great gig, and. Mike showed up early to say hello, and then uh, a bunch of see he's he's pretty known. I mean, when you're me and you don't keep up on all that, you don't realize who's going to be backstage. So walking backstage is like ridiculous. Yeah, there's all superstars around and shit. But well, and, most and and the the lineup that he has in Mr. Bungle now is not the original Mr. Bungle. It's yeah, like yeah. do and improve Mr. Bungle. It's got like the dude you have all their fucking albums at home. You yeah. Know? And yeah. So then, and then that's what's all backstage with all these friends of theirs and stuff. But you know, like I said, this whole thing's kind of been a journey for me to do these things. And, and it's like, even though it's many years later, the rise is still there. It's just crazy. Or people yeah. that are turned on to your music that you have no idea about. Like, so I'm walking, and then there's Robert Trujillo. Yeah, is that Tra Trujillo? What how Trujillo. Is that, you said it right the first time, my yeah. man. Yeah. Trujillo. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm walking and he, there's this kid who I saw slamming in the pit, and then I realized it's Robert Trio's son. Yeah. So they come back, they come backstage just to say hi. So I'm just saying, like, it's really nice when you meet these stars and you never expect to be into your shit, and then they come back and say they love it, and they're, you know, just great say great show, you know, that kind of shit. So yeah. Yeah. But, that, so just to just to just to be clear, when you when you're opening for Mr. Bungle, it's the new improved or not improved, but the newer version of Mr. Yeah. Bungle. It's not yeah. Mr. Totally. Bungle back in the day. Totally. So it's the Scott Ian and Mike Patton and uh, so Leonardo, Leonardo, everybody in their Lombardo. mom's back, everybody in their mom's backstage. But yeah. what I love about Lombardo, he was still learning the set. He was still in the he had himself locked in the room, still going over the set. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I love about Lombardo. That guy takes care of business. When everybody else is out there goof, goofing around, he's back there working on music, you know? Yeah. But um, So Mike Patton's one of those guys who he remembers, and then he helps out. That's insane. Like, most guys don't do that. You know, they don't yeah. go back and handpick bands from when they were younger and stuff. Mike Patton is, wow. 
and just really cool. Like he was cool when he was a kid, but he's even cooler as an adult. So just like a bonus for us. And uh, yeah, it was a great show. And then we hit an audience that wouldn't normally see us as well. I mean, yeah, half of them knew us, but I'd say half of them didn't, which is fine. You always yeah. want to get up in front of new people and scare the hell out of them. It's okay to have a little bit of work cut out for you. Yeah. I think it makes you, you still, you know, you kind of get excited for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The same old routine. Like, it's great playing festivals, but when you're that far back from the audience, sometimes it's kind of a mind fuck. I, I like not trying to sound cool, but I've always liked being close to the audience where you can grab somebody by the T-shirt or, you know, yeah, get close to them. You know, I, I like getting right up in their face. That's, um, I call that so you can talk to them. Basically, make that connection. You know? yeah. yeah. And then finishing off with the, uh, the Bay Area International thing, all these things lead back kind of the Bay Area because we were going back and forth. So when I went up to do that, like they contacted me originally to just do three songs. And I was like, that, that's enough. I'll do three, no problem. But what made it tougher is then they asked me to do seven. And like I said, I'm not really a covers guy. I don't like sit there and go over Metallica lyrics every day because I love those guys. But, you know, I've heard those songs so many times. It's just, I'm not sitting around reading the lyrics. But, but so to do that, I had to learn a couple of Metallica songs, a couple of Exodus songs. They gave you and some homework. Yeah, but it was a lot of stress, a lot of stress, oh, even, with, even with having a teleprompter, shit like that. And I'm like, how are these guys going to handle these fast thrash songs? So teleprompters, when they're handled by a human, yeah. unless they've been going over the songs. So <laughs> I don't really, really want to get into that. But I'm just saying teleprompters, unless you have a person that really knows the tunes, you, yeah. you got to know your stuff. Yeah. And we're doing songs like Whiplash. We're doing mechanics. You're the first person I've actually talked to about this, but it had me really, you know, it was tense. Cause I mean, even going leading up to that, I was always going over lyrics here at the house. My wife was like, oh, dude, you're not totally as mellow as you normally are. I was really tense. Like I, I didn't want any distractions because I, I took it really serious. Yeah. Well, good. I, so, feel, I feel like you should have. Uh, I think well, if you're going to go to Europe and yeah. play in front of a, a the Netherlands in front of a lot of people where they worship a band like Metallica and you got to play Metallica. Like, yep. Yeah. But I'm still glad I did it. At first I was, I didn't really want to do it. My wife's the one who kept nudging me and the guys were really persuasive. They were really great. Don't get me wrong. Like all the guys involved, I mean, Craig and Chris and, you know, meeting Mike and all these other, the, the rhythm sections alone, the bass player was awesome. They had two bass players. Um, Matt and Haroldo, you know, you couldn't have gone over with better musicians and people. Like they were amazing. It was just really, it was really stressful for me as being the nerd that I am and a, a vocalist that wants to deliver the best that I can. Well, sure. and I'm sure when you think about it, Her Harold wanted to be. I'm sure he had the same agenda uh, to do as good of a job as he he could possibly yeah. do playing playing those songs with you and you know you you play the nerd card there well harold o is the biggest one of us all yeah he's huge on that yeah, you should have seen him over there he was mailing out records and stuff from from europe he was buying records like i've never seen well that's what i'm saying he's a, he's the biggest like rock nerd that i think i've probably ever met yeah we yeah, have i'm sure you you can relate when you did the armored saint thing that must have been daunting how many songs did you have to do? the the accept thing was a, a full set that was like 18 songs with except because oh. it was a headlining tour. And then uh, since the Saint was uh, supporting Wasp, it was only nine or 10 songs. 
Wow. And, Still. and, and I, I think for except it was like, I knew, you know, I was, I was phonetically familiar with about half or more of the material and armored saint was probably uh two thirds of the material i was i was you know because this with armored saint every time they came through texas since the late 80s they would call me on stage to do you know a song or two so yeah and even when bush was in anthrax i've got to do only so that's awesome no i mean it's it's better when it's less tuned is what i'm getting at the more tunes that pile on your plate especially when you've only got maybe a month i i feel your pain i didn't have a month i had the plane ride <laughs> that's insane <laughs> screw that like dude I, I care too much the biggest problem i have is that i do care and i'm also one of those guys who's kind of a critic so yeah, when you're sure. a critic yourself me, you know that too. other people are gonna be watching you the me, same me too, so, but if i would have said no the, and the band has to cancel the show the crew doesn't make money that they don't yeah, sell yeah. t-shirts they don't so it's that thing that you care about as well well i'll tell you i'm really grateful to do any of that stuff and, and, and you know you also learn like yeah, one thing yeah. is like know what you're you're taking on well, and here's, also- here's the here's a way to look at it when when they and this is a bit extreme but it still makes the point they needed you yeah, but also, it was also good for me as well. I mean, I think a lot of us, there's a give and take there. I mean, I want to travel. I love traveling, and I love trying to turn people on to what I do, and some people don't know, and you always got to think like that. Yeah, Listen to yeah. what you're saying. They need you. You love to travel. You love metal. What? Of course you're going to go, dude. And also, I felt, like, honored, but also I felt like, dude, after three years of sitting around here being locked down and having curfews and all this crazy shit that we just went through and i got a chance to fly out to holland of all places like i love holland anyway so i'm like you know so that was all it was all great i applaud you and and uh, we have some of the same moves here's one of them i love that shit and here's another one oh yeah yeah that's (laughs) that's you feel that i mean that to me that's the music coming right through you but i give you credit i those are caton moves I just, you know, for me, it's also growing up on bands like ACDC. I ain't going to lie, you know. Of course. Young, the Who, the Who's a, a band, too, that doesn't get mentioned a lot, but the, the power chord jumps, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 But, you know, yeah. we're a product of what we grew up on. There's nothing wrong with that. It's also just putting your own twist on it. That's that's one of the things I do try to do. I still try to do my own thing. I think you still got to try to reach down and bring out what is really you. A lot of bands... It's no disrespect, but they're sometimes you follow your idols too closely. Like it's okay to have idols and and definitely take some bits and pieces, but you still gotta find your own way because you'll inspire some kid just like you. Like it's bitching to see some kid that is dressed like you at your show. You're like this kid. He did what I did. I did that with Rob Halford. You know, like yeah. you know, there's certain yeah. stuff we took from musicians we love, and and that's gonna be something that we carry to our grave. And there's nothing I, wrong with that. I'm just glad yeah. to still be doing it. That's right. Like, to be real with you, dude, it's like, I'm still around. I can't even believe it. So while I'm here, I'm going to make some noise while I'm around. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. And, and you uh, do the same, both yeah. you guys. I mean, you got to keep keep waving this flag. I mean, I don't know anything else. Like, this is my life. It's It's been this way for You sound like us. If we ever decide we need a third co-host, we're calling you, dude. Because <laughs> this is also awesome. Like, it's not just about... You know promoting upcoming stuff it's also just like 
reaching out to guys that come from the same movement, checking in too. Like yeah. you guys are still here and that's good. And I'm glad. And I'm glad you guys are supporting the music that you love. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, something, something I want to bring up about, about podcasting and we're still, I feel fairly new to podcasting is this, you know, people, people say they, they keep their, their, their episodes at like 30 minutes, some shorter, but yeah. some longer, maybe 45 minutes, because they say that it, they use, they play the attention span card. It's like, well, hold, yeah, yeah. On, hold, hold on a second. So most people are listening to these digitally in their car, on their commute to work or whatever it is, traveling okay. like, like a book or whatever. Well, they don't drive around for three hours listening to audible books. They, 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 they stop at work. They, they, they get out of the car and they finish the book on the way home. Podcasting is the same way. So the attention span of a metalhead, a real metalhead, someone who loves what it is that we're nerding out about here on the Talk Louder podcast, yeah. they're going to, to go, wow, I can't wait to finish this one. So yeah. they're going to get out of work and get back in the car and finish it on the way home. Oh, man, I had a great day, and they were talking about my favorite band or whatever the fuck. It doesn't also, matter. Also, maybe they get turned on to some stuff that they haven't heard. You know, yeah. That was always the thing that really got me into this, guys, was that – I would go to concerts and talk to some other dude, and he'd be like, "You like Akira?" And I'd be like, "Hell yeah, Akira's the man!" Like, you start growing down about certain bands, or like, you've heard of Sabotage? You can't believe there's another dude at a local gig that likes Sabotage. Right. You know? <laughs> That's what still keeps me in it, and like That's talking good. to you guys is awesome for me too. And and I'm, I, I'm one of those people that really does listen through these things though, because I'm listening for all the little bits. And I make notes or I'll even just get on my phone real quick and check out a track, you know, like yeah. it's the best thing you can do. And it's also helping musicians because to me, I feel really what we are. And this is, goes back to the blues. I feel like we're blues musicians. I really do. I think that we travel like the blues musicians. Yeah. Our music gets out there like them. So in a lot of ways, I even go back to reading books about the blues and I take some of the ideas and I, I apply them to what I do, you know, like, yeah. Grassroots. I've been doing that the whole time. You can always learn more from doing grassroots or, or even just dropping off some music at a certain record store and then telling kids real quick if they want, there's some free copies at a store or whatever. That's right. I think you just got to do what feels natural to you. And I think people see that. Yeah. Like, I think that's the only reason guys like us are still around. People see that we're really, this is our thing. We're still doing it. Like, yeah. these guys, after a while, they give in. They're like, God, I got to like this guy because he's still around. I tried not to like him, but he's still going. <laughs> yeah. amazing. It's like I, I, I always tell my parents, Kiss was not a phase. <laughs> you know? That man, they're, they're responsible for most of this crap. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't want to make this too long, but I will say this. I'm a huge Kiss fan, too, even though I think we all have our certain feelings on some of the egos and over the years. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But that band is monumental. But the point the, the point is, you know, substitute Kiss for any band. The, the fact that we're all in our 50s and look the way we do and talk the way we do and go to shows and uh, it, it just proves the point that I think a lot of people rock and roll is a phase in their life and it comes around during those rebellious years of your teens, you know, and a lot of people unfortunately outgrow it and or it becomes sort of background music or something. Uh, but the three, the three of us obviously didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it. At all. I, still, I still don't get it. You know what it is? Like, I just found a good friend, like, even though there's other things in my life it's always been like one of my best friends music. It really is. Like if you think about heavy metal, especially 
you know, like I said, back to friendships, even losing Bob, who we recently lost. These are people that I've known through the music for decades. And that's probably the other reason I love the music so much. Like I got real good friendships from this and wow. uh, just in me and every day, like, like no fail. I got to listen to some music every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I could say, I think we can all say the same thing. If we look at our tight inner circle of friends, I think they're probably all just as nerdy and geeky as we, and music is as important to them as it is to us. Like Jason, I would consider one of my best friends, my other handful of guys I would consider my best friends. We all, music is still an important piece of our life, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons we're best friends, you know, and, and I'll, 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 I'll add to it. It's like you're when you're when you're young and impressionable. And you are kind of, uh, you know, uh, odd, different. Um, and you discover rock and roll from an older brother or a friend at school or something like that. You don't, and then, and then you realize all of a sudden, like an explosion, that the music that has just possessed your soul is your newest and bestest friend. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's never, ever, ever going to let you down for the rest yeah. of your life, for as long as you live. Let's say Black Sabbath. You hear the song Black Sabbath for the first time, and your mind is crushed. That's one of the greatest songs ever. And then, and then, let's say in a in a terrible world, you don't hear that song, your favorite song, for ten years, twenty years, and then you're somewhere, boom! All of a sudden, like quantum leap, you you're somewhere else, and you're going, oh my god, I'm disoriented, and all of a sudden, bow, bow, bow comes on, and you're like, wait a minute. And you know all the words, you can play air guitar to the whole song, and you hadn't heard it in 20 years. Because, that song, because it's great it, that you even mentioned that song. Because it's your friend that you remember. It was like the 20 years didn't even exist. We had a box that flickered to music that we would go into a room and listen to Black Sabbath. And you turn out the lights in the box, it would do movements to the music. I don't know <laughs> if they still exist, but this was something we did back in the 70s. Weird. And that song was one of the songs we would play because that that's just such an ominous riff. Yeah. It's the most one of the most evil riffs of all time. Yeah. Happiest. <laughs> yeah. But no, dude, I can relate. Like that's why I think this conversation has been so awesome. And you guys are from different areas. So that's what the, the music just really does bring the best out of people. It brings people together. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think that one of the things that's really not right, that headbangers especially, and punks too, get a bad rap about how smart they really are. There's a yeah. lot of smart people in this music. You get to meet them, and you're like, dude, that dude's actually a genius. Like, that's the way I feel about Mustaine. And I've known him a long time. Yeah. Even back when they were doing the demos, I knew he was something special. Oh, yeah. I'd never heard anybody play like Mustaine. No. Probably still haven't. No, he probably but, created he was a he's a creator of thrash metal guitar. He's a cre he no one plays like that. Nobody. Uh, it's insane. Yeah. It really yeah. is insane what he's doing. It's like he's walking the tightrope every time he does a guitar solo. Metallica didn't realize, I'll just call them Metallica, didn't realize what they were, they were doing the world a favor, but especially Mustaine didn't think that they were doing yeah, the world a favor by letting him go, kick, i.e. kicking him out of Metallica. 
they did a big favor. And I, I don't kind know if fucking he's, weird to I say that. He's ever, I don't know if he's ever going to realize it because he's just one of those dudes that's always pushing himself to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Even at his age, dude, his guitar playing hasn't shown any slowing down. No, and he's yeah. gnarly. He really is a gnarly. I call him the assassin. He's one of the most deadly guitar players to ever live. I almost so feel, I, feel like I can say the the later material is like as good as the last thing. Especially right? when you consider how long Megadeth's been going. Yeah. They've actually gotten stronger, even through all the bullshit. And they've yeah. been through some crap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, there, were, there were a couple of records that don't. There are kind of blippy on my radar, my Megadeth yeah. radar, but like, dude, uh, pretty good catalog, dude. There's some there's some records that came out like two thousand, you know, in the mid two thousands, you know, like like two thousand five and two thousand ten, and you know, later. I'm just going, holy shit. I, I don't have I may not have them in my collection. Here's the truth. I worked at a record store for a while, so I was hearing what I whatever I wanted to hear like every day at work. And dude, the system has failed. That record blew my mind. Yeah, I, th I think the best thing any musician could do is work at a record store. I did it. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm talking about a Megadeth record that came out 15 or 20 years ago, for all I know, and and it blew my mind. It's like, holy shit, this is fucking good. Yeah, no, D Dave's incredible, and like Metallica did do everybody a favor, you know. And, and I, you know, it's funny. I don't really want to take too much away from them because I get it. Everybody's got something to say about them, yeah. but they fucking are a great band, and good for you. But thank God they got rid of Dave because Dave's incredible. And uh, yeah, they gave the word. I don't think he would have been as unhinged either if they would have kept him. I think it would have toned him down a bit. I think hmm. by unhinging him, by kicking him out, which made him go crazy, he applied that to his guitar playing. And it's the best thing that could happen. So yeah, I think he's he's also he's often said that uh, revenge is a great motivator, and I think he was like you know he was out exactly, to prove himself. And that's exactly what was going on. As far yeah. as I know, they're they're uh, you know they've fallen back in friendship with each uh, each other yeah. too, just because of you know you age out, you know your hate kind of dissipates, and you realize, wait, these are my bros. The I and he's had and he's had his own success in his own right. I mean, right. It, it, it would be different if he got kicked out of Metallica and then he just disappeared and was you know, working a miserable job and on his sixth divorce or whatever. But yeah. I mean, he's, he's created a, an empire and he's been very successful and he's world renowned and people respect him and look up to him. So uh, I think that helps age out of it too. You know, yeah, well, it doesn't hurt. The age, the age thing does help. It really yeah. is like, even for me now, when I see other musicians, I'm actually happy for them with whatever success they're having. Yeah. I'm happy for them because I know how hard it is. When I was younger, it was more hate. <laughs> you know? yeah. You're like, see that guy. Well, like, you know, you get over that. You get over yeah. that. Yeah. Once you get older, though, you get it, though. Like, yeah. you realize how, you know, there's so much more other shit in life to be tripping on than a musician doing Amen. well. Amen. Like, hey, Kane, it's been yeah. it's been really, really an honor to have you on the show today, man. It's mine as well, great. and that's totally why I did it. Because, dude, this is the first one I've done in a long time. Because I didn't really, you know, especially during COVID, I did a lot of uh, video chats where I would come on and, and talk and stuff, and that was good for me. Like, I, I, and a lot of other people, which like, later on when people would tell me, I was like, we all needed that, you know. But doing this kind of a thing for me was important because it's also guys that I respect. And I'm being real with you, because like 
I haven't done them. And I'll tell you why. I just, the three-year period, I got a lot of offers to do interviews, and I was just like, there's really nothing to talk about. Everything's so screwed up right now. And I don't want to be negative, so I don't want to do to talk about negative stuff. But now that the world's kind of opening up again, yeah. Yeah. It's still baby steps. Everybody can act like everything's wide open. It's still not completely. It's still, people are still slowly coming out of their slumbers. Right. But I think the music is what is so important at the end of the day. Yeah. And so to, to, to do these kinds of things and be able to still get out there and talk, help people. I mean, we're really helping people, not just ourselves. Obviously, there's a little bit of self-indulgence here because I get to talk to some collectors, which I love, you know. <laughs> But I think we help a lot of people through music, and that's the best thing I think any of us can do. So I'm going to do it as long as I can drag myself on stage and off stage and, you know, keep recording and where I still feel that I'm at least putting out music at a definitely better height than the lower. Like, once you start, you shouldn't even record. Yeah. I mean, I think the only reason you should go into a recording studio is if you feel the material that you're up doing is strong enough or why waste people's time. I wouldn't be doing it any other way. Yeah. So, I want you guys to know this was an honor for me. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. It was nice to meet you and and talk to you. Uh, you you truly are what we call a lifer, and uh, and I I love your positive outlook. Uh, I think I mentioned that earlier, but it's it's very evident and and it's much needed. And so uh, I, I I love the fact that that's the the message you spread wherever you go. So thanks for joining us today, and continued luck with the the band. And uh, your next album or EP, whatever it turns out to be, um, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to that. And maybe the maybe touring will bring you through Texas, and we can all catch up with each other. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this: that's kind of cool. You brought that up. We're definitely going to come back through Texas. We haven't done it enough. We've done it a couple of times, and it's always been excellent. Especially once we start getting around Houston and San Antonio and all that stuff, you know. But yeah. Uh, We'll be back out there, and I'll definitely hit you guys up, so I'll invite you out to the show, and I'm not just saying that. Not one of those cool guy moves. I want you to come out and have a couple of beers and shoot the shit. Even if you don't drink, come out and have some coffee, whatever. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I'll say before I go, and I, much respect to both of you, to the younger audience out there that will be checking this out, if you guys are still around 30, 40 years later, then you're lifers. But if you don't, you know, have a nice ride. But the thing is, this really is a life decision. Like, you got to decide you're in it and you really love it, you know, it's like there's a lot of different styles of music out there, but the people that stay true to this music stay true to it for a long, long time, you know? Yeah. So much yeah. respect to you guys. I'm digging seeing the rooms. Like, you guys got everything up there that I love, so I'm still looking around. And <laughs> Well, yeah, you're, li you're, you're living proof of it, man. So uh, thank you for leading by example, and thank you for being here today. Uh, I really enjoyed the stories and getting to know you. Um, on behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner with today's very special guest, Caden DePena on the Talk Louder podcast. <laughs>